Back here, the government's to introduce 70 so-called resettlement prisons, including four in the three counties, to offer more help to offenders coming to the end of their sentences. Up to 40% of Bedford Prison, Woodhill in Milton Keynes, Spring Hill in Aylesbury and the Mount Prison in Bovingdon will be used for resettlement. Rupert Murdoch has been secretly recorded making scathing comments about the police investigation into his newspapers. In extracts broadcast by Channel 4 News, he also promised to support his journalists, even if they're found guilty of making corrupt payments. A mother from Stevenage is demanding answers after being left waiting 50 minutes for an ambulance. Natalie Frost called 999 when her two-year-old son had a seizure. Tony Fisher has more. This incident comes as the East of England Ambulance Service is already under fire for not hitting response time targets. Many board members have resigned. In this case, the service says the 999 call categorised Charlie's situation as non-life-threatening. A response card did arrive within 11 minutes, which was within the required 30 minutes, but it took 50 minutes for an ambulance to arrive. A charity is calling for all councils making home care visits last longer than 15 minutes. That's the minimum time currently used by three quarters of local authorities in the UK, including those here in the three counties. Jake Farrell reports. Leonard Cheshire Disability is calling for an end to the current system because they believe it undermines the dignity of disabled people requiring care. Care workers have told the charity that they cannot properly support disabled people to get up, to bathe, get dressed and to have breakfast in 15 minutes. The charity says this is not care. It is box-ticking and the situation has become critical. In sport, Britain's number one, Andy Murray made a dramatic comeback to win his quarter-final against Spain's Fernando Vadasco won centre court yesterday. He'll meet Poland's Jerzy Janowicz in the semi-final. In uh, weather, it's cloudy to start, but getting warmer with sunny spells this afternoon. Top temperature today, 24 degrees Celsius, that's 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm a little bit slumped. Hang on, let me just do some adjustments. There we go, that's better. I don't think anybody noticed. Nobody noticed. Can you believe it's Thursday, the 4th of July? Of July. Wowzers. It's virtually Christmas. Lots coming up. It is. It is. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including there are calls for an end to 15-minute home care visits. A leading charity says they're just not long enough and should be doubled. Well, is 15 minutes long enough to give an elderly or disabled person the care that they need? Campaigners against the herbal stimulant cat, including Milton Keynes MP Mark Lancaster, have welcomed the decision by the government to ban it. The decision by the Home Secretary goes against a recommendation from the government's own drug advisers. Well, I'll be trying cat live on air to see what all the fuss is about. I won't. It's a joke. And I'll be speaking to the Hertfordshire professor, professor who says that women need just 20 minutes to recharge their batteries, whereas men can take a whole day. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. How much free time do you need to feel happy? You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And the stomach is rumbling at five minutes past six. That is a bad sign. I had a bowl of bran flakes and everything this morning. 
Ouch, we're in trouble. Now, if you had to help an elderly or disabled relative to wash, get dressed and eat, how much time would you need? Could you do it all in just 15 minutes? Well, that's the minimum time currently used by three quarters of the local authorities in the UK, including those in the three counties when it comes to home care visits. A charity is launching a campaign today that would see all councils make these visits longer than 15 minutes. Leonard Cheshire Disability says as pressure on council budgets grow, the time allowed for care visits is decreasing. They say quarter of an hour is insufficient time, saying it's not care if the support worker does not have the time to take their coat off, let alone have a proper conversation. Well, I guess the question is this morning, how long should a home care visit be? Maybe you've got a mum or a nan or a granddad or a wife or a husband that has a home care visit. How long do they get and is it long enough? Colette McKeveney is uh, joins me now. He's from Age UK Luton. Good morning, Colette. Good morning. Fifteen minutes home care visit. Sometimes that could be two carers, not just one. Is that long enough? I think that this is an issue of common sense, really. And um, the question you ask is the right question. How long would it take you to do that job in a way that proves that you're doing it effectively? That is dignified care for that person. Well, it's, listen, I've done it. I've done it with my mum. And uh, she had home care visits, and she had home care visits for 15 minutes sometimes. Sometimes she had a bit longer. You can't do yeah. anything in that, really. You can do one thing quite well, I would suggest, in that. You can't do any more than... Uh, I would imagine it's a choice of, do you want to go to the toilet? Or do you want to have a wash? Or do you want me to cook some food for you? That's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, and certainly people say, you know, sort of they don't feel that they're getting anything remotely like. I mean, it's the word care, isn't it? Mm. They don't feel they're actually getting care. They might get a task performed, you know, the dinner microwaved and go to the loo and, you know, have your face wiped with flannel or something. But it doesn't feel dignified and it doesn't feel compassionate. It doesn't feel like care. And I think one of the biggest problems we hear from people working in the care I was going to say profession, but it's an industry. The people who are working in care is that they feel they're not giving good care because they're not treating that person in the way that they would want to be treated. Not because they're bad people, because because there simply isn't enough time to actually do it in a way that shows respect and allows dignity to that person. Now, many councils are buying care from outside firms in blocks of 15 minutes. Uh, Should we maybe just accept that it it could be too expensive to offer anything longer than that? I think if we're going to make that decision, then we've got a huge worry there. Because what we're basically saying is that people people aren't able to be cared for in in the home because we're not prepared to put enough time in to do it in an effective manner. And I think this is a huge and important debate, one that we have every so often and we skirt around and we never really make a decision. But if we, for example, contrast with the example of what happens in care homes, and, you know, people are very quick to criticise care homes, but, you know, people know the carers who are there. They're working with those people on a regular basis. And even there, the general standard is that you shouldn't be rushed. If you need a little bit more time, you should be given that bit more time so that you are ready. Um, You know, people aren't coming in and saying to you, right, you know, into the bath, Ian, um, and, you know, sort of getting your dinner and, you know, leaving your dinner whilst you're in the bath or whatever. Some of these examples that you hear of really, really poor practice. 
um, which actually can degrade the carer. The person giving the care is as degraded by the practice as the person who's receiving the care. The thing is, though, we, it, it would be nice if the carer or carers could turn up and, and kind of judge the situation on a day-by-day basis. Oh, Mrs Jones needs a little bit longer today. But they can't... Can they? They're, they're, the carer's day is, is packed. They've got so many appointments. If they spend five, ten minutes... Uh, longer with Mrs Jones than they're scheduled to, then the next person on the list is going to have their time shortened. It, they have busy days, don't they? It's absolutely dreadful. I mean, you know, sort of sometimes they're travelling between um, various addresses and they're getting caught in traffic. Um, some agencies are only paying them a very minimum sum. They're not being paid for their actual travel time. They might be getting a travel allowance for the miles they're going to. And, you know, that again is a big problem because these are people trying to make a living as well. So, you know, I I think what happens is that, again, it's this practice of people feeling, you know, I've got to do it. It's a task. I've got to get through it quickly. I don't really have a conversation with Mr. Jones that's too long about how he's feeling today because, you know, otherwise Mrs. Bloggs is going to be waiting even longer for her care. So it is a really, really big problem, and I think it's really fantastic that it's coming to the forefront yet again, and I hope that everybody sort of thinks about it. Colette, and, um, we've, we've got to end it there. Ralph, I'm always nice to talk Colette McKeaney from Age Concern Luton, uh, of course. Well, what do you think? How long should a home care visit be? I'm particularly keen to talk to you this morning if you've experienced, maybe you, you have a carer come and visit you. Or maybe they come and visit your mum, or your dad, or your nanny, your granddad, or your, they come round and help your, your husband out who's a bit poorly how long do you get and is that anywhere near enough 08459 455 555 i would suggest that 15 minutes isn't long enough to do well you make a cup of tea and have a quick chat that's 15 minutes gone isn't it
It's a bit of a joke, that song, but imagine you wrote that song. Imagine you're at home one day, you're writing a song, and then you just put the full stop and go, oh, I've just written Take My Breath Away. You'd go out for donuts and coffee to celebrate. Well, you, would, you would think, oh, do you know what, I'm going to stop for the rest of the day. Probably take the rest of the week off. I've achieved enough. How long uh, should, how much care should people receive? Is 15 minutes long enough? Andy uh, has texted in, I'm a carer in Bedford in the community, and yes, we do only have... 15 minutes to visit clients and really it's not right but our company still thinks that's okay and i visit get this 15 clients a day that's an incredible amount of work well what do you think if you uh, receive a, a care package at home or someone you love does how long do they get and is it enough oh eight four five nine four double five five double five Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Now, on the M40 London bound, we did have some roadworks between the M25 and the end of the motorway at the Denham Roundabout, the A40. They were doing works overnight. Those have now been moved out of the way. Everything reopened and traffic moving quite nicely as you head in toward London. Things looking clear so far today on the M25 as well. Speed sensors are not picking up any issues as you come through the northern stretch with the roadworks between Chesant and Junction 25 and the A1M at Junction 23. It's all looking good on the rest of the routes across the three counties. We have no problems for the M1 or for the A1M and things on the trains have been fine so far this morning too with no delays on the departure boards currently and no issues for the tubes into or out of London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.16, it's Thursday the 4th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Egypt's President Morsi has been ousted by the army and is now being held at the headquarters of the Presidential Guard. The government is to introduce 70 resettlement prisons, including four in the three counties, to offer more help to offenders coming to the end of their sentences. In sport, Britain's number one, Andy Murray, made a dramatic comeback to win his quarter-final against Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court yesterday. Coming up, cat. No, not the fun ones, the other fun ones. Herbal stimulant cat and the government's decision to ban it. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. This afternoon I'm talking to one of the biggest names in music. Midyear tells us how he nearly became a member of the Sex Pistols. It just didn't make any sense to me at all, you know, so it turned out, it transpired that that band that he was talking about was the Sex Pistols. The phenomenon that was Live Aid and his battle with alcohol. The look in my daughter's eyes was enough to just stop me in my tracks and I stopped at that point. Midyear talking to me, Nick Coffer, today from midday, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom shakalaka. We're asking how much care uh, do people need. Uh, We can speak to Jean in Biggleswey. Morning, Jean. Good morning. Jean, you used to be a community nurse. Yes. So what would that involve? Oh, visiting all sorts of people for, uh, sometimes for injections, for drugs, mm-hmm. and a lot of, in those days, this is going back 20 years, yep. I mean, you used to have to wash them and get them up, and I, I had, I remember a very severe 
uh, arthritis. A woman is suffering from very severe arthritis, and it took her and it took me an hour to get her up. Mm. And I would say that is still cheaper than having her in residential care. Well, this is one of the big things, isn't it? Is in an effort to save money and to give independence, the, the, the government is keen to keep people in their own houses uh, long as long as possible before they have to move to their homes. And I would suggest that, that we need to give them longer periods of, of care then, longer visits. Yes. What would you be able to do in 15 minutes, Jean? Not a lot. Uh, good morning. Um, good morning. Can I help you? Oh. Uh, can I help you get up? Um, sorry, I don't have a time to give you a wash today or help you with your washing. Um, no, no, I, unless you've got cereal, that's the only food I could give you, you know. And that is it, isn't it? You've, you've, you've got a choice in a 15-minute visit, I would suggest, of only doing one thing. Yes. You, you couldn't get them up and wash them and take them to the toilet. You couldn't get them up and then cook them a breakfast. It's one thing, isn't it? Yes. And you have a mother who has this care, and you know very well yeah. what it takes. Oh, exactly. And I've, and, I've, and I've seen... I mean, she is in a care home now, but when she was at home, I saw the carers and how frustrating it was for a lot of them. Some of them, if I'm completely honest, Jean, some of them were dodgepots and couldn't care less. Yes. And they were... But that was a, a minority. The majority of them found it very, very frustrating. Yes. Jean, I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, well, later on in the show this morning, we'll be speaking to David uh, as he waits for his carers to arrive. He stays in bed until about 8.39, uh, until he gets the help to get him up. Again, I've seen all of this. My mum would sometimes go to bed at half seven in the evening and get up at ten in the morning because of the carers. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Keen to get your stories on this. I'll shut up because I like this song.
See, that's Honeybus. Did they ever do any other... Was that the only song they recorded? Just that one song? Because it's a pretty... It's a pretty close-to-perfect pop song, right? Did they just go in and do that and go, ah, do you know what? Let's not bother with any more songs. We're not going to beat this. So let's let's leave it at that. I don't know. I'm going to uh, Google them um, next year. 08459 555. Campaigners against the herbal stimulant cat, including Milton Keynes MP Mark Lancaster, have welcomed the decision by the government uh, to ban it. The decision by the Home Secretary goes against a recommendation from the government's own drugs advisers. I wonder why those guys are getting paid, because the Home Secretaries always ignore the drug advisers. Well, they concluded in January that cats should remain legal. Sess Talak is a councillor for Fishermead and Milton Keynes, where many of the Somali community use the drug. Sess, what does the drug do? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not a health expert, but what I am aware of is that it is, it is taken by people because it's so readily available, and... Um, has an impact has an impact on those people in terms of uh, a, a risk of uh, uh, um, antisocial behaviour ha- behaviour, but also taking a lot of it leads to be people being fairly lethargic, and that had obviously caused prob- um, concerns amongst parents. What what, so what 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 problems does lethargy cause? Um, I, I think it I think it's basically a question of um, uh, I, I think it's basically a question of. Uh, the concerns of parents and so on. Um, and I think if you look at the Home Secretary's um, uh, uh, statement, um, the, the reasons it's been done is, is, is not such for the health of the individuals, but the fact that um, it's already, at least supply, is already illegal in most countries in the European Union. Well, that's not necessarily a reason to, to make it illegal, just to copy everyone else, is it? Well, except there's a real danger that... Um, um, there's two. There's two problems really. I mean, one is um, clearly there's an issue of the users, and it's important that this is this is not um, this is not imposed harshly. Um, but I think supply is a completely different issue. The real risk, and and what there has been signs of, is that um, people who who supply it are are getting. Um, it's clearly illegal to supply it to countries that don't allow the supply. Obviously, yes. And clearly we're, we're in a free market. The real risk of not taking action, at least on suppliers, um, is that uh, it could involve criminality simply because it's so easy to import, to take things... Well, hang on, it's definitely going to impose, impose criminality now that we've made it illegal. Right. Um, I, think it's, I think it's important to... Um, to make sure that when this change happens, that what you're not doing is making, is coming down hard on the users, because... So it's illegal, but we won't punish people? It, well, it's a category three, it's a category C, it's a category C drug. Right. um, And that puts it on the same plane as things like anabolic steroids. Right. Where the real issue is, is preventing supply. Um, as I say, I think if, 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 uh, the police were to come down hard on people for using it, then then the effect would make it a bit is potentially it, counterproductive. It does. And it the does. The last it, thing we want to do is to um, 
it is to criminalise... But then why make it illegal? If you're not going to punish the people that are using it, yeah. why make it illegal? And it's honestly, it's, it, it's not going to reduce the number of people using it, is it? It's just going to drive it underground. Um, well, I hope, I hope it does reduce the oh, number Cess, of people using you it. You know it won't. You know the number of people that smoke marijuana? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, I, I, that's illegal. So by making cat illegal, which is, is part of the Somali community's kind of culture... It's not going to stop many people using it, is it? It's just going to criminalise them. That's why I'm saying it's important that the change is managed. It is, it, I've no doubt that there are people who are using it who do so because they don't think it's a problem and it's, it's not legal. Um, the fact that it's available on free supply is a real problem. Um, and, as I say, I think the important thing is to ensure that it's managed properly. Because do you do you seriously think, Seth, that it, it will reduce the number of people who use it significantly? It will reduce the number. I'm sure it will reduce the number of people who use it significantly. Um, and I think it will also give a message. How significant is the issue that I don't know the answer to, and I suspect what? nobody else does as well. So it's important that it's it's uh, this change yeah. is is. Um, included with a whole lot of messages, and it's important... Anti-drug messages work so well, don't they, with with young people. Has there been any evidence, Sess, that it is responsible for antisocial behaviour? Well, I mean, clearly the Somali community are extremely concerned about it. But you mentioned antisocial behaviour earlier on. I just wonder what the evidence was that, that, that it's directly linked to the use of this drug. Well, certainly there are considerable... There are considerable concerns amongst the community about about that and the effect it has on on some young people and i think makes them lethargic but but in terms of antisocial behavior spe- specifically says in terms of antisocial behavior that you mentioned what is what is the link between cat and antisocial behavior um as i say it's it's difficult it, it's difficult ah. to say but just you mentioned do, it earlier on so i thought I you had know examples there are real concerns within the community about it about the antisocial behavior yeah and what what are the the concerns about the antisocial behavior um, well, really concerns that, that, that young people in particular are, um, you know... Indulging in may, antisocial behaviour. It, it, it may be causing some of the antisocial behaviour. It's, mm-hmm. difficult, it's difficult to provide a link with that. Yes. Seston, you've just shot down your first argument. It's difficult to provide a link between cat and antisocial behaviour. Therefore, one could surmise there is no link. You could, uh, you, you could do, but as I say, um, there are real concerns amongst the community that, that that might be the case, and I think it's, it's, right to, uh, it's right to take note of that. But if there are, uh, if there is no uh, definable, tangible link between um, cat and antisocial behaviour, as you said yourself, there, there possibly couldn't be a link, then what would be the reason for this change in classification? Is there anything else behind it, Sess? Yes, as I said... The, the 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 real the real issue is supply and the danger that this that that supply is coming from this country right. into so many places. So it's not antisocial behaviour. It's already illegal. Okay. And the fact that those countries have made it illegal, um, I mean, you know, places like the Netherlands do not exactly have the strictest drugs policy. No. But but the Netherlands 
in the last couple of months that has, has outlawed cat. OK, so just to clarify, says that the, the real problem is the, the fact that we might be exporting it to other countries where it's illegal, although at the moment it is legal in this country, and it, it's not the, uh, the possible link between cat and antisocial behaviour, which, as you've said yourself, is, is almost impossible to prove. Either way. Um, yep. But the real problem is it is openly available, okay. it is legally available, yep. and people... Uh, uh, and it says we have to end it there. I like the, the, the real problem is it's legally available. Ah, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Later on in the show, we'll be speaking to a uh, a researcher who's tried cat, and he'll be able to tell us the effects of it and whether he believes it should be banned or not. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Fair few roadworks at the moment in Ivinghoe. They're doing some work along Station Road. Temporary traffic lights are up for water main work at the junction with Church Road. Things could get a little bit slow through Oakley because on the Bicester Road you've got temporary lights for water main work past the Manor Road junction. And they're still doing those works, major works in Dunstable. Boscombe Road is shut southbound between Chilton Park and the A505 while they upgrade the Luton Road, Boscombe Road junction. Now, speed sensors not really picking up too much so far today. Everything seems to be moving rather well on the major routes. If you're heading down toward London, the A1 is looking clear all the way from St Neots. At the moment, things running well along the M1 and the M40, and the M25 through the roadworks doesn't seem to be showing any delays. As for the trains, it's looking like a good start to the day. Departure boards showing no late runners, and the tubes running a good service as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's 6.32, or a little bit late. Let's get the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Egypt's President Morsi has been ousted by the army and is now being held at the headquarters of the Presidential Guard. The UK government sued to introduce 70 resettlement prisons, including four in the three counties, to offer more help to offenders coming to the end of their sentences. And a Stevenage mother is demanding answers after being left waiting 50 minutes for an ambulance for her two-year-old son. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray made a dramatic comeback to win his quarter-final against Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court yesterday. He'll meet Poland's Jerzy Janowicz in the semi-final. British BBC tennis correspondent Jonathan Overend has more. A fright for sure. A few stressful hours. Well, we'd expect nothing less at least once during Wimbledon. But ultimately, a fifth successive Wimbledon semi-final, a fine record shared only by some of the all-time greats. He went behind yesterday because of Vadasco's extraordinary serving. Some second serves were aces at speeds higher than many of Murray's first deliveries. Murray played a patient game, trusted himself to win, and now has the Polish newcomer Jerzy Janowicz between him and a second Wimbledon final. Janowicz celebrated his quarter-final win with tears, the removal of his shirt, and a sense of total disbelief. In cricket, Nick Compton's told the BBC he feels he still has an international future and believes he hasn't been given a chance by the England selectors after being dropped from the Ashes warm-up match against Essex. Former England fast bowler Angus Fraser feels there should still be a place on the side for Compton. I do feel a bit sorry for him and I I suppose you could say it's unadventurous of me but I'd also be protective of Root. I know he's done outstanding so far in his England career but sometimes you can get a bit giddy and you, you can push a young player too far too soon and almost letting him come in at six and sort of carry on what he's doing for a little while. Um, is the easy way and let maybe a, a more gnarled old pro like, like Nick Compton get out there and face the new balls. 
Finally, football and the Stevenage captain who acted as caretaker manager on occasion last season has left the club. Mark Roberts was out of contract and assigned for League Two side Fleetwood. And that's the latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah. Coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show, you're using too much water. Stop it, for goodness sakes. Oh, and flipping it. Graham Lawler, the maths bloke's coming on. Really? I thought I'd sent an email out about him. You may remember Graham came on a, a while ago and set, uh, well, he sets rather uh, frustrating maths problems. He did the one about walking up the stairs. Do you remember that? He's on again in about 20 minutes. What nonsense can we expect from him this morning? Uh, we're talking about caring as well. The care visits to homes. 15 minutes. That's the minimum. Some are longer. Of course they are. But 15 minutes is, is the minimum. And they're quite common. Leonard Cheshire, the, uh, uh, the, the, well, they're care homes and they, they also have carers that go out and about. They want to increase that time. Joyce is in Leegrave. Morning, Joyce. Oh, good morning. Joyce, uh, have you got any experience with carers? Yes. Um, the thing being, I do believe that quarter now is ridiculous yes and when they uh, people come in there's no communication between the office and the care the client no. if they're going to be late mm. and they're anxiously worrying where they are are they coming have they forgotten me and everything and another very important thing too uh, i could go on and on about I, care I, but I, I bet you could is language yes a language problem ah. and when there are two people uh two carers they're gabbling about to each other, yes. not over to the client. Yes. You know, but there are some lovely carers around. Are you, are you saying that they, they are speaking a foreign language, or, or, or it's difficult for, for someone you, with a disability or elderly to understand them? To understand, yes. Do you know what? Norma- now, Joyce, yes. normally that's not a problem for me, but I would agree with you on this instance right. that, uh, that, again, through personal experience with my mum, there were some carers where she just couldn't understand what they were saying. And that... That can't be comfortable, can it, in your own home? No, it's not. It's not, because you feel inferior. Mm. And the thing being, they speak English, but they perhaps do not comprehend English. Yes. That's the problem. Joyce, I understand. Normally it's one of those things, the language thing, I kind of think, ah, get over it. But in this instance, when you are dealing with elderly or disabled people... Uh, and some of these carers, uh, um, there are lots of them foreign because it's so badly paid. Um, but some of them don't speak English. I don't want to sound all right-wing and Nick Ferrari. But it's a basic requirement, isn't it, that you could you can be understood by the person you are caring for. 08459 455 555. Oh, here's a very sexy song. Sexy songs at 6.37. I feel a feature coming on. Private dancer. What? Yeah, Tina. Well, the men come in these places And the men are all the same You don't look at their faces And you don't ask their names You don't think of them as human don't think of them at all You keep your mind on the money Keeping your eyes on the wall I'm your private dancer A dancer for money Do what you want me to do I'm 
out the members of my team can do excellent Tina Turner impressions. I won't get them to do it on air, but if uh, if we get a little bit light for material tomorrow, then possibly we will. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get them on. Now, today we're being urged to spend less time in the shower. Hurrah! Hurrah! The Energy Saving Trust, don't they sound like a bunch of squares? Well, they say we're wasting hundreds of millions of pounds every year on things like overfilling the kettle and showering for too long. The report looked at the water habits of 86,000 British households. But would you step out of your shower early to save the planet as well as your pocket? Water's free, isn't it? I'm joking. Uh, And can you have a decent wash in a couple of minutes? Well, a couple who know are John and Irma Musto from Bedford. They're the authors of the Penny Pincher's Guide Revisited, Living Better for Less. They join me now. Good morning, John and Irma. Good Hello. morning. How, oh, how, you're very perky. I'm always suspicious of pe- people who are perky at 20 to 7 in the morning. I'll, I'll have you know. How long do you shower for you two? Oh. I've never turned it. No, I never. a long time. No, just a couple of minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> to save more water, do you shower together? No, we don't, but we, use, we do have baths together. That's always very uh, cosy to sit in the bathtub with your best friend. Uh, Irma, do you, do you enjoy having a bath with John? Uh, listen, I've try, I'll be honest, cards on the table. I've tried it a couple of times. It, it was very uncomfortable, and it was difficult to get clean. <laughs> no, it's quite comfortable, actually. Mm, okay. Uh, is it uh, these short showers? I, I'm not a fan of showers anyway. I, it's a functional thing for me. Uh, do you not miss though relaxing in the shower? 
Yes, um, but really we mostly shower because it is so quick and it does save that little bit of water. Yes, yes. In what other ways do you try and save water, John? Oh, gosh, there's all sorts of things you can do. Uh, one of the best ones is when you're running the tap at the sink, yeah. get the water hot to wash the dishes, yeah. run it into a big bowl, and then there it sits, and as soon as the bowl starts to get full, out into the garden and water the plants. Oh, that's a handy one, isn't it? Splashing about all on the plants. Irma, do you not find this this penny-pinching lifestyle that you've written about and you obviously lead, do you not find it a little bit boring? Good heavens, no. Oh. It keeps you thinking all the time. Yes. When jo- who, who kind of suggested this, first of all, Irma? Was it you or John? Oh, it was Irma. Was it? Yes. Well, both of us are, are fairly good at it, but I yeah. think Irma's the, the real driving force. John, when Irma goes out to, um, I don't know, recycle or whatever, do you not just leave a tap running for a long time just, just to get, you know, f- yes. feel a bit manly? Yes, just to be sneaky. <laughs> yeah. I'll say I do. <laughs> Irma, tell me about your book. What other penny-pinching tips have you got in there? Well, there are actually lots about water. There are lots about all kinds of things. And it isn't really... Well, it is penny-pinching too, but it really is simply a way of living where you get more for your money. It really is more for less. You get the best value for... Whatever you whatever do. Whatever you can... Hang, hang on a second, Irma. It saves the old environment, after all. I mean, water oh. is... There are a lot of us uh, who all want uh, to have water, so it means um, that it's expensive. Yes. If we need to set aside land for a reservoir, so don't use any more than you have to. I'm... Now, for both of you, I'm detecting... I'm suspicious. I'm detecting an accent. Where where are you from originally? <laughs> originally from the deep south in America. Ah, you're Americans. That's originally from Hertfordshire. Oh, hang on a minute, John. You've got a stronger American accent than she has. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, well, I was brought up in 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 Hertfordshire. There you are. So, uh, yeah, I'm a local boy. Dragged her over here. Good for you. Well, Irma, we, we, we're used to hearing this kind of uh, nonsense from, from Americans. Why do you think it's so important that we do this? That we do what? Save? That, that, that we save water. Why is it so important? Well... So you haven't got a reason, have you? <laughs> you haven't got a reason, Irma! <laughs> I think we always have saved water, huh? Yeah. You, you get in the habit of, of saving money. Yeah. You do find that you save other things. You, yes. You know, yeah. We have a very large collection of nails, screws, pieces <laughs> of wood. I wonder where that was going, yes. I do, I do a lot of sewing, and I have one room that is a sewing room. Oh. You have an awful lot of ribbon, buttons. It, you simply don't throw things away unless you know you'll never use it. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the point. You use what you've got first, and yes. then you start looking around for, uh, for things you have to buy rather than, than uh, just uh, go out and buy it because you can't be bothered to save or you can't be bothered to look for where you put the thing. Listen, what, John and Irma, could, why don't I, could I come round to your house one afternoon? Of yes. course. And, and uh, look at how you, you spend money and, uh, uh, and see if there's any ways I can incorporate it into my life and possibly make a judgment about you both as well. Okay, okay. Do it. <laughs> and, and you come over, do that, and we'll make a judgment about you. Mm, John, this sounds like we might. It might be a feisty afternoon. <laughs> stay, stay on the line. Speak to my team. We will sort something out. John and Irma, uh, authors of the Penny Pinchers Guide. Well, I'm going to go around to their house. I'm a little bit anxious now.
Who knows what I'm going to find? How are they going to save money with me there? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. John was brilliant. I thought he sounded like Lloyd Grossman. You would. <laughs> OK, M25 anti-clockwise. You've got slow traffic from Waltham Abbey round to Enfield Junction 26 through to 25. It's also starting to get busy from the M1 to Kings Langley Junction 21 to 20. And it's looking like there's a delay from Maple Cross down to the M40 Junction 17 to 16. Things slowing up as you come into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood. Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. The sensors are picking up heavy traffic through there already this morning. No other delays on the roads, though. Everything quite quiet. Further up the A1, no problems on the M1 or the M40 and trains and tubes running without any delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Lloyd. 6.47, it's Thursday the 4th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Egypt's President Morsi has been ousted by the army and is now being held at the headquarters of the Presidential Guard. The government's announcing plans for 70 so-called resettlement prisons for offenders coming to the end of their sentences. Four will be in the three counties. In sport, Britain's number one Andy Murray made a dramatic comeback to win his quarter-final against Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court yesterday. Coming up, an annoying maths problem from Graham Lawler. I can only apologise in advance. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest weather now with Elizabeth Rosini. Hello. Fred. Hello. Good morning to you. Good Hello. morning to you too. Oh, you're so talking to the listener, aren't you? Loud in my ear. So oh. I'll just get on with the. I'll, sp- I'll speak quietly then, Elizabeth. Away you go. To you again. Away you go. Go on. <laughs> well, I'm bringing the warm weather back with me actually from my holidays. It's going to get really fine, uh, dry, of course, with just light winds and lots of sunshine from tomorrow onwards. And as we head towards the weekend and indeed into next week, there's no end in sight to the good weather. But we do have to get today over and done with. Now it's a bit of a warm, muggy feel to things. A refreshing southwesterly breeze at times and quite a lot of cloud. Now we could just see a few outbreaks of light drizzle around at times falling from that cloud, most likely I think through the morning and into the first part of the afternoon before it brightens up again by the end of the afternoon. We're still looking at temperatures up to 21 or 22 degrees Celsius quite widely across the three counties, so it is going to feel nice and warm and I dare say most places will stay dry, although there is just a small chance of one or two light showers forming as we head through the afternoon but most places dry. Overnight tonight again dry lots of low cloud again reforming perhaps some mist over the Chilterns a slightly fresher night tonight though than the night we've just seen with temperatures still holding into double figures though as we start the day tomorrow there will be some cloud around it will quickly thin and break there'll be lots of sunshine around we could be looking at something close to 30 degrees by the time we get to Sunday so summer is certainly on its way that's the forecast what do you mean summer's on its way it's mid-July Elizabeth autumn's almost here Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Elizabeth. Who can forget this time last year? I'm looking down on Gail M's running through central Milton Keynes. The Olympic torch relay lit up beds, hearts and bucks. When you had that flame, it was you. In the whole of the world, you had the Olympic torch in your hand. From Monday, the three-counties sports team will be cycling the torch route and speaking to people involved in the sporting legacy. What we need to do is work very, very closely with the local clubs and schools to start to develop the sport at grassroots. Follow us throughout the day and find out just how the Olympics inspired sport for all of us. As soon as it started, we signed up and done it on the first day. Three Counties Sport, cycle the Olympic torch route, Monday and Tuesday here on BBC Three Counties Radio.
good or was that rubbish we're having a heated debate here at bbc three counties radio i kind of quite enjoyed it until his voice came in i don't know that's the new rod stewart song she makes me happy you may have guessed uh, any good or a load of old rubbish 81333 start your text 3cr put rubbish or good and uh, we'll we'll have a poll and we'll send the information off to rod stewart and see if he that changes his behavior now a leading education trust has announced that all young people should learn maths until get this they're 18 years old of course 18 comes after 15 huh the sutton trust claims the gcse curriculum fails to give them the practical skills they need in the modern workplace well do you use maths in your job i don't Mr Educator, Graham Lawler has something to say on this. He's also got a little maths problem for us, no doubt. Morning, Graham. Good morning, Ian. We don't really need to learn maths until we're 18, do we? Yes, we do. Why? Blummin' Nora, we do. Why? What's your language, sir? Why? <laughs> one, of, one of the problems we've got, quite seriously, is we do not have enough people who can do the jobs, and well, frankly, the jobs of the future. We don't have enough qualified people to do it. What future jobs need maths? Well, lots of them. Jobs, now, give you, I'll give you a good example that works uh, in the southeast, um, I have an ex-student yes. who did very well in his mathematics. Yeah. He now works making computer animations. Okay, and that uses something mathematical called vectors, and you need to be at least A level um, um. mathematics level in order to do this. And he's gone out to California, and he 
now earns $240,000 a year, about £160,000. Hi, Chihuahua. But, That's but, the sort of money you can earn but, with mathematics. But, Graham, mm-hmm. trigonometry, algebra, who needs all of that nonsense? Plumbers need trigonometry. What? Plumber needs... Plumber tri- needs a spanner, Graham. You no. misunderstood it. Plumber needs trigonometry. Plumbers are taught trigonometry so that you can actually lay the pipes out in a house properly. Do you Al- need trigonometry to lay pipes? Yes, you do, in a house. I've seen it in a course. Plumbers need trig. You can, but if you're building a house, you need to work out where the pipes go right. and the minimum distance you need to use because the less copper or plastic nowadays in some houses yes. that you use, the cheaper it is. If you lay too much, you're costing too much. We need to learn about money as well. Most people, you're right, most people will not use that. Yeah. But everybody needs to learn about mathematics for real life. Fractions, decimals, percentages, and money. But we don't, the thing is, Graham, we don't, because everything is done by computers. No one counts their change anymore, because mainly because we're using a swipe card. We just hold my card up to the machine and it takes off. No one even has to think about money anymore. Yeah, businesses love people like you. Oh. They love people like you. You flatter me. Because they're making money left, right and centre. What? Oh yeah, they are making money. I know of a case of a guy, and this is back in the 1980s, of a guy who went to buy a car and then it was £2,000. Yeah. All right? And uh, he, he was a maths teacher like me. And he was told that this £2,000 car would cost him £600 a month in payments for two years. And yep. because he was a maths teacher, he said, you're wrong there. That works out of £14,000. Ouch. And the guy said, oh, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a maths teacher. He said, oh, crikey, that was going to pay for my extension on Oy. the house. All right. That's so maths, maths beat the evil car salesman. Absolutely. And that has happened numbers of times. There's a well-known um, company that advertise on TV yeah. um, that obviously can't say their name. No. But they give you payday loans. Okay, yes. Avoid them like the plague. The APR, the amount of money you pay back, is 5,353%. Now, that means if you borrowed... You've earned £100. You're going to be paying back about £5,000. Graham, listen, we're running out of time, and I know you want to get a cheeky little plug in before we go, but before I allow you to do that, have you got one of your irritating maths problems to set us? <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I've you got, have. I've, I'm, I'm wearing a very nice suit at the moment. Oh, right? Good for you. you Did maths buy that? Not suit. Oh, dear, <laughs> Graham, please. And I've got two coins in my pocket, and they add up to £1.50, and one oh. of them is not a pound coin. What are they? Hang on a minute, do that again. You've got what? You've got I've a got suit on. Is the suit relevant or not? I've got two coins, two coins in my pocket. Two coins in your pocket, yes. And they add up to £1.50. Right, so, yes. And one of them is not a pound coin. OK, so one of them is a 50 and one... Oh, hang on a minute. What do, are they? Can you get 75 pence coins anymore? No, OK. All right, well, listen, we'll put it out there, Graham. 08459 455555. Graham, quick plug of the book. Um, my book, Understanding Maths with Arthur C. Clarke, oh, no less. Oh. Yes. yes, a very nice man he was too. Obviously, he passed away now, but he was very, very supportive. Um, and he was very keen on getting people learning mathematics, and particularly maths about money. That's okay. why he'd be the money problem today. Okay, Graham, listen, we're going to speak to you a bit later on. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. 0845... He does annoy me. He does annoy me, Graham. 08459 455 555. He's got a suit on. I'm not sure if the suit's relevant. He's got two coins in a pocket that add up to £1.50. One of them is not a pound coin. Is that what he said? 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the latest travel. 
travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian, do you want me to give you what I think is the answer? Give it to us in a little bit, Adam, because... Well, uh, I'll, I'll yeah, hold give, on to Hold on, happening. hold on. Yeah, OK, no problem. A40 through Beaconsfield. Roadworks between Lakes Lane and Piebush Lane. And on the A404 in Amersham, you've got temporary lights for gas main work around Loudham's Road. On the M25, anti-clockwise. It's already stopped starting to the roadworks. Waltham Abbey through to Enfield. Busy from the M1 to Kings Langley, Junction 21 to 20. And slow from Maplecross to the M40, Junction 17 to 16. You've got heavy traffic on the A1 southbound as you come through Boreham Wood... From Sterling Corner toward Apex Corner. Trains and tubes, though, running absolutely fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Well, if Glynn's worked it out, and if Kelly Betts has worked it out, it's got to be an easy problem, hasn't it? I can't work it out. Could you give me a call? We'll find out if you know the answer after the news with Catherine Boyle. She won't know. She's nearly... On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, the headlines. Egyptian president ousted, resettlement prisons announced and calls for longer care visits. BBC Three Counties Radio. Reports from Egypt say the country's first freely elected president, Mohamed Morsi, is in custody after his government was ousted last night by the military. The head of the army said the constitution's been suspended and an interim government would be appointed until new elections were held. Mr Morsi and his supporters have condemned the army's intervention. Mona Al-Khazaz is from the Muslim Brotherhood in the UK. It's unconstitutional. And it's not legitimate to completely dismiss what people, over 13 million people wanted. They wanted a president. I can't even describe how horrendous, a horrendous act against democracy, against all values the Western countries are standing for. The government is to introduce 70 resettlement prisons to offer more help to offenders coming to the end of their sentences. Up to 40% of Bedford Prison, along with Woodhill in Milton Keynes, Spring Hill in Aylesbury and Mount Prison in Bovingdon will be used for resettlement. Here's Simon Oxley. Prisoners serving a sentence of 12 months or fewer would go straight into the resettlement unit at their local prison. Those serving longer sentences would move into the resettlement unit at least three months before the end of their jail term. The idea is that prisoners will be able to receive the supervision they need near where they live, rather than having to be transferred to an open prison far from home. A Stevenage mother is demanding answers after being left waiting 50 minutes for an ambulance for her two-year-old son. Natalie Frost claims she was told the only available crews had either worked their hours or were on a lunch break. A leading disability charity is calling for councils to extend home care visits beyond the legal minimum of 15 minutes. That's all three quarters of local authorities are currently offering in a bid to make savings. Leonard Cheshire of Disability believes it doesn't allow carers enough time to offer a decent service. Colette McEveney from Age Concern Luton feels the elderly deserve better. They don't feel they're actually getting care. They might get a task performed, you know, they're doing microwaved and go to the loo and, you know, have your face wiped with flannel or something. But it doesn't feel dignified and it doesn't feel compassionate. It doesn't feel like care. Train companies across Beds, Hearts and Bucks are being urged to share tickets in the evening rush in order to ease overcrowding. At present London Midland ticket holders aren't allowed to use Virgin trains and vice versa but the Conservative MP for Milton Keynes South Ian Stewart told the Commons he hoped the operators could come to a temporary agreement. There is an issue about overcrowding uh, particularly in the evening peak uh, I have written to the Minister about this before and I'm just giving a gentle nudge to see if we can come to a temporary arrangement between London Midland and Virgin uh, to uh, allow some London Midland passengers to use Virgin in the evening peak uh, to, to spread out demand. 
In sport, Andy Murray's through to his fifth Wimbledon semi-final in a row after a five-set victory over Spain's Fernando Verdasco. Murray took the deciding set 6-4 to set up a last four match against Poland's Jerzy Janowicz, who beat compatriot Lukas Kubot. The weather, cloudy to start, getting warmer with sunny spells into the afternoon, though with a top temperature of 24 degrees Celsius, that's 75 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Have you worked out the maths problem? Yeah. Right, don't tell me. Cause no, I will, because I, I think I'm wrong. No, don't tell me. Mm. Well, hang on. Because, <laughs> no, because every, I'm getting loads of tweets, uh, and even Kelly Betts, who works on the show and is, you know, I won't say it because she's looking at it, but she's a bit thick. Uh, even she's claimed to have worked it out. I think he's got a hole in his pocket. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sakes. It just muddies the water. And it's very muddy water already. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including there are calls for an end to 15-minute home care visits. A leading charity says they're just not long enough and should be doubled. Well, is 15 minutes long enough to give an elderly or disabled person the care they need? If you do receive care, or a member of your family does, how much do they get, and is it enough? Campaigners against the herbal stimulant CAT, including Milton Keynes MP Mark Lancaster, have welcomed the decision by the government to ban it. The decision by the Home Secretary goes against a recommendation from the government's own drug advisers. Well, later on in the show, I'll be speaking to someone who's tried CAT to find out whether he thinks it should be banned or not. And we'll also be speaking to the Hertfordshire professor who says that women need just 20 minutes to recharge their batteries, whereas men can take a whole day. Oh, I agree. How much free time do you need to feel happy? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call. Particularly if you know the answer to that flipping maths problem. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The chief executive of Age Concern Luton has welcomed a call to make home care visits longer. Colette McEveney says the current situation where 15 minutes is standard is not long enough and doesn't give dignity to either the individual or the carer. The charity Leonard Cheshire Disability is launching a campaign today that would see all councils make home care visits longer than 15 minutes. It says as pressure on council budgets grow, the time allowed for care visits is decreasing. They say 15 minutes is insufficient time. Well, how long should a care home visit be? And if you receive a home visit or if maybe your mum or your dad or your, your grandparents or maybe your husband or your wife gets home care, how long do you get... And how much can be done in that time? Well, earlier on, I spoke to Jean in Biggleswey. She used to be a community nurse. She says there's very little that can be done in just 15 minutes. I had a woman suffering from very severe arthritis, and it, it took me an hour to get her up. And I would say that is still cheaper than having her in residential care. <gasps> Well, David, who has an acute neurological problem with no diagnosis, has four visits a day each time two people come and spend a total of 15 minutes with him. He joins you on the line now. Morning, David. Good morning, Ian. Uh, now, David, give us no... I, I don't want to know where you are or whereabouts your base. I don't want to identify the council, but, but talk, talk to me about these visits. When do you get your first visit in the day? Somewhere between 8.15 and 9 o'clock. 
and that uh, and I'm assuming that you need that visit to to get you out of bed. Is that correct? That is absolutely so. So you're in bed now. I am indeed. You're you're dependent on the carers to get you up in bed. And how how long does that visit last? Fifteen. And you get two carers. Yes. So I'm guessing in that fifteen minutes of the two carers, they have to get you out of bed, take you to the toilet, wash you, cook your breakfast, and get you dressed. Correct. How do they do that in fifteen minutes, David? Even with two of them. They don't. So what, what happens? Tell me what happens when they turn up. Let, let's assume they come about half past eight. What happens? Well, <laughs> they, do the, they do the very best that they can. Uh, but quite honestly, um, it's, it's, just, it's just a hit and miss. And it's absolutely a disgrace. It's a national disgrace. So what, what things do they kind of, do you think they cut corners on? Well, everything. 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 There's, there's, there's everything they can. Uh, so in the, in the, you have your first visit in 15 minutes. Do they manage to do all those things, get you out, get you dressed and washed and, and feed you? It's a tick. It's a lick and a tick. A lick and a tick. Yes. <laughs> so uh, by, by, by the tick, I'm assuming it means that they, they tick their little call sheet to say that they've visit, visited you. Correct. Okay. When's your second visit? Lunchtime. And what happens then? Well, they, uh, in the winter I have a, a microwave meal. Yep. In the summer I have a cold meal. Okay. For instance, I've been having ham, uh, prawn coleslaw with some salad. Gosh. And David, what do you do in between the visits? Are you able to um, move around the house on your own? No, I'm not. So you, you, are you stuck in, a, in, a, in a, a sofa in front of the TV? Well, not a sofa, a chair, yes. Oh, you've got a chair. That's right, yes. So uh, and if I get too personal, David, tell me to back off. I'm assuming that, uh, unless you're catheterised or something, that you have the care, you're dependent on the carers to take you to the bathroom. I am indeed, yes. So, and I refuse to have the... the medical aid that you've just mentioned good for you well done i know a lot of people do refuse refuse it uh, so you kind of have to time your movements well to, to the care visits that's it that is that is virtually physically impossible as you know you no human being can control their emotions so again and, and i don't want to get too personal but are you saying that accidents have occurred yes they have yeah uh, and then I'm assuming you have a carer in the afternoon. What's that? To, to take you to the loo and bring you a sandwich or something? That's right. Yeah. And then and then bedtime. How do, how does bedtime work with your carers? They just <laughs> just take you into the toilet and then just dump you in bed. Is there any is there any dignity in this? Whatever, David. None at all. None at all. Mm. And have you spoken to your your the company that provides your care package to ask for longer visits? There's an outright refusal to listen and an outright refusal to help. If I've got this right, it's been a few years since my mum had uh, home carers, but they, they sort of do, a, do an assessment, don't they, on what they believe your minimum care requirements are. And, and it is difficult to get them to, to, to listen to your pleas, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> it's more than difficult. It's impossible now. And uh, how many different carers do you have? Do you, do, do you have the same two people coming in every time? Um, very, 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 very occasionally. I, it's normally a different uh, team every time. Mm. 
So there's, there's very little continuity in the care? Continuity at all, and there's no consistency. In an ideal world, David, forget costs and all of that for the moment. In an ideal world, how long would you like each visit to be? At least, um, uh, for, for um, breakfast call, one hour. Mm. For lunch, um, yes, I would save lunch 30 minutes. Tea the same, bed the same. Yeah. I, listen, I completely empathise with you, Jay. I, I have perf- personal experience of this, and I know that it's just not enough, and I agree with you. That, that, uh, and people just think about this. People might be at home listening, going, oh, an hour, jog on, David. But I- imagine having to lift someone out of bed, take them to the bathroom, wash them, brush their teeth, dress them, and make them a breakfast. You try doing that, even with two people, you try doing that in, in 15 minutes. Correct. It's just not possible, is it, David? Absolutely, absolutely. You're, you couldn't be more, more right. Now, I presume you support, then, this, this uh, move by Leonard Cheshire to, to increase the well, minimum visit. report, but of course I, I will back anybody that, 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 that goes for this, because care, and I, may I quote a well-known charity, care is in catastrophic crisis. In this land, and it's a shameful situation. It's a national disgrace, and it's cross-party. David, and final question, David. Can I ask how old you are? Yes, I'm 78. 78. Listen, I'm supposed to be vaguely impartial on these things, David. I can't on this one. I I agree with you. I think it is a disgrace that we allow uh, our vulnerable people, people with disabilities or elderly people, to to have a 15-minute visit a day. I, I do agree. I think it's absolutely awful. I appreciate you coming on this morning, David. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Share this news with you. Yeah, well, thank you, Dave. Well, that's David. Just just think about it for a minute. The amount of work... In phys- they'll have to physically lift him out of bed. They'll have a hoist to do it. Not allowed to lift people anymore. Health and safety, innit? They'll have a hoist. But to physically get someone out of bed, take them to the toilet, wash them, brush their teeth, make them breakfast, dress them... 15 minutes isn't enough, is it? It's not enough at all. Makes me sad, that. Thank you very much, David. Oh... <laughs> And here's some tennis grunting to cheer you up. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that. It was meant to be this. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah. Good on you, David. Thank you very much. Right, we've got to save water. We're wasting water. Shorter showers. Only fill the kettle up as much as you need. David's in Luton. Morning, Dave. Morning, Ian. We should have shorter showers, Dave. Yeah. Yeah? But they're talking about this water all the time. Yes. About short... Well, of course it is, because the earth is burning up gradually. What? And it's drying up all the water. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. The earth is burning up gradually? Yeah. What? Yeah. Is this a fact? Yes, it is, is it? a fact. Yeah, you the read the Daily Mail's a lot of times. Oh. The Daily Mail is a very, very good paper. They really are full good. of facts, aren't they? Well, I'm going by them. Yes, I'm okay. Not a, I'm not a explorer or anything of that nature. I go by what they well, say. The uh, earth okay. is burning up okay. and the water's drying up. Well, if, if that's a fact from the Daily Mail, David, let me give you another fact from the Daily Mail today. Page three, overfilling yeah. our kettles wastes £68 million a year. That's from the Daily Mail. Well, that's it. Yeah, I'll be so I've oh, just got out of bed, so I'm going to read that later. But listen, <laughs> what's more important, water to a human yes. or a 252-mile-an-hour train Ooh. on a lot railway line? Has it got water on it? 
M25 anti-clockwise you've got stop-start traffic as you go into the roadworks section it's busy from Waltham Abbey at junction 26 in toward 25 as you go past the A10 Frenfield and Chesant it's slow as well from the M1 round to Kings Langley junction 21 to 20 and busy from Maple Cross to the M40 junction 17 to 16 you're also going to find it slow if you're heading in toward London through Boreham Wood on the A1 with queues from Stirling Corner down to Apex Corner and the A10 looking busy in Enfield from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road with heavy traffic on the cameras around there. Things for the moment running fine on all of the other motorways and major A roads and we have no problems reported for the trains or tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, 7.17, sorry. I've just been sent a very rude tweet that about the math problem that I couldn't possibly begin to re- read out. 7.17, it's uh, Thursday the 4th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Reports from Egypt say the country's first freely elected president, Mohamed Morsi, is in custody after his government was ousted last night by the military. So-called resettlement units will be opened in four local prisons under government plans to prepare inmates coming to the end of their sentences for freedom. In sport, Andy Murray came back from two sets down to beat Fernando Vadasco and reach the Wimbledon semi-finals, where he'll face Poland's Jacek Janowicz. I'll read some of this tweet. I can't. I'm so sorry. It's about... Scott is as frustrated with the math problem as I am. I'll take out the rude language. Can you... Can you tell your flipping maths expert he hasn't even set a flipping maths question? It's a flipping English question. Idiot. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've got 
got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of um, talk about ambulances on this show recently and and a lot of the uh, national newspapers about how the ambulance service is struggling. Well, have you been able to get an ambulance when you needed one? I've not called an ambulance for... um, a few years. I'm trying to think when the last time I called an ambulance. It was a few years ago, four or five years ago. Uh, and th- when I've called them before then, they've always been excellent. Excellent. They turn up quickly. Uh, they've been efficient. The staff have been wonderful. They've got me in. So my experience is a little bit dated. If you've called one more recently, what's your experience been like? The reason we're talking about this again today is because a mother from Stevenage says she had to wait 50 minutes, five zero minutes for one, when her two-year-old son Charlie collapsed suddenly in Nebworth Park on Sunday. Natalie Frost says the wait was agonising as she thought she was going to lose him. Well, this comes as the East of England Ambulance Service is already under fire for not hitting response time targets. Many board members have resigned. Well, I'm joined now by Natalie Frost. Good morning, Natalie. Hello, good morning. Now, uh, talk, talk me through what happened. Well, we were at Nibworth Park. We were sort of having a nice family day, and all of a sudden he sort of collapsed. And at first we thought he was choking. He's, it's nothing, never happened like this before. And then sort of a nurse ran over. She was like, trying to help us, and she sort of said, look, he's having a seizure. And he sort of had a seizure, which was horrible. He sort of went rigid. His eyes rolled into his head. He started frosting at the mouth. And he's, this is two-year-old sort of, Charlie, isn't it? Yeah. So that must, be, that, that must be terrifying as a mum to, oh, to see horrible. your boy I doing that. Of, oh, definitely. I keep now sort of seeing his face going in my head. And it was just, it was the scariest thing ever. And not knowing what was happening, it was just, it was awful. And then Nedworth Park were amazing. Within a couple of minutes, we were sort of in the first aid cabin. And, but... And then the first response vehicle actually turned up. It, it was 11 minutes, apparently, but a, a member of the public had phoned them. And so that's and one of those... When you say first response vehicle, that's that's a guy in a car, isn't it? As yeah, opposed to an ambulance. Yes, yeah. and I believe they're not as fully trained as the bill paramedics. Right. And he gave Charlie some oxygen and put some wires on him to sort of check his heartbeat and just monitor him. But Charlie just wasn't responding to us. We'd been told over the phone it was OK to let him go to sleep. Because apparently that's normal after a seizure. They get really tired. Right. But he just wasn't responding. And the paramedic was, the first response paramedic was continuously sort of radioing over saying, can I have an ambulance? This, I've got a two-year-old unresponsive. And what were the, what was, could you hear what was being said back to him when he was calling for an ambulance? <laughs> it was, I heard them say, oh, we've got some cruiser on lunch, one cruiser on there, up to their hours. And I heard at one point, oh, one cruiser's got ten minutes left on their lunch and then I can send them. Sorry, what, what, it, sorry, one crew's got ten minutes left on their lunch? Yeah, and I know that's not everyone that's a job and everyone has to have their lunch break legally entitled, but it's one part of me thinks, well, in STEM jobs that you have to have flexibility, but it should, it's not the ambulance's fault, it's no. the paramedic's fault. There should be enough ambulances to cover lunch breaks, in my opinion. It's not their fault for 
not to say that on my lunch break. No, of, uh, uh, of course. It's, it's a tough position, and, and we have spoken to ambulance staff uh, before, and they are hideously overworked and understaffed. Uh, but, but, but in your position as a mum whose two-year-old boy has a seizure and won't wake up, to hear, them, to hear someone say, well, they've got ten minutes left on their lunch break, how did that make you feel, Natalie? It did sort of just make you think, oh, great, see, you've eaten is a little bit more important than my son. But it wasn't... I did then also think the rational part of my head did think, no, they're entitled to their lunch break. They are just working. That is just a job at the end of the day. It's just the fact there should be enough ambulances to cover lunch breaks. They shouldn't be... They should be saying, like, wait, you go on your lunch 12 till 1, you go on your lunch 1 till 2. I know it's not as simple as that, but there should be enough ambulances to cover lunch breaks. Now, according to the East of England Ambulance Service, uh, they say that crews are only interrupted on their breaks if it is a life-threatening situation. So they wouldn't have been contacted uh, in this case when having lunch. But I'm guessing that doesn't make you feel uh, uh, much better. But but the East of England's Ambulance Service are saying that after the 999 call, Charlie was categorised as serious but not life-threatening. Was that communicated to you, Natalie? It wasn't, no, we didn't hear any of that, so it was still sort of, in our heads, we were like, is he going to be all right? Is he going to survive? So it's, that wasn't communicated across, that he wasn't going to die from this, which obviously would have been nice to have been told. It would have been nice, to, it would have been nice <laughs> to have been told, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, they turned up after 50 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and and, and, and I'm sure, did they do a good job when they did turn up? Oh, they did. Yeah. The staff were amazing. They were lovely. They went. They sort of straight away went to give Charlie a glucose injection. And as they put the strap round his arm to do the injection, he did finally wake up, thankfully. Yeah. Which was obviously amazing. He, he was still obviously very tired and very yeah. out of it, but he woke up and he was then sort of responding to it. And the most important question, Natalie, is how is Charlie now? He's much better. He's still not quite himself. Charlie's such a bouncy little two-year-old. He's sort of yeah. He's always got a smile on his face, and he's just sort of a little bit grumpy. And well, it's a, a shock, isn't it? It's a shock actually, to him. Poor thing. Yeah, definitely. It must have been horrible. I mean, in the hospital, he was having piped and prodded yeah. and having his blood sugars done and all this. So it must have been scary to him as well. Yeah. So I think it's just going to take him a few days to get back to his normal self. But he's getting there. Excellent work. Well, Natalie, send our best to Charlie. It's Natalie Frost, who had to wait 50 minutes, five zero minutes. Uh, East of England Ambulance Service have sent us a statement. We were alerted at one thirty-one, and a response car arrived at the scene with 11 minutes. The attending ambulance arrived at the scene in 51 minutes. Uh, the spokesman for the uh, EAS, Gary Sanderson, said, We always endeavour to reach our patients within the required time frame, but on occasions this cannot be achievable due to a high demand in potentially life-threatening calls such as heart attacks, strokes and unconsciousness. Patients are prioritised for most urgent clinical need. Well, if you've struggled to get an ambulance, do give us a call. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, later on, I'll be speaking to a Hertfordshire professor, oh, brainy, who says that women need just 20 minutes to recharge their batteries, whereas men can take a whole day. I agree with that. My wife can have a little power nap, 20 minutes, and she's up. Boom, right, yes, let's uh, do the cleaning and cook supper. I'm joking. Not really. Uh, whereas I, I need like a sleep of about two and a half, three hours. And then I kind of need to lie on the sofa for a bit and watch a film. And maybe turn on the Xbox to make sure that's working. Well, 
how much free time do you need to feel happy? Sophie Solaria has been out and about to find out what you think. Morning, Sophie. Good morning, Ian. It, it's it's a generalisation, but it's pretty true, isn't it? You women, you, you only need about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't agree. I think I Sorry? need, yeah, I'd like a little bit more than 20, maybe right. an hour, right. watch a couple of soaps. But I mean, you are an exception because you are a, a very lazy woman, aren't you? I'm not a lazy woman. All right, I'm a bit lazy. Thank you very much indeed. You've been out speaking to people. What have they had to say? Well, they agree with me. They'd like way more than 20 minutes. In a do- I've yeah. met one woman this morning that wanted four hours a day, oh, more than good. her husband. She's the, reason, she's the reason that Britain's going down the pan. Look, I'll prove it. Listen to this. OK. A couple of hours. What would you do in that time? Go for a run. Chilling out. Not doing much. Bit of gardening. Are you a couple? Yeah. Your partner likes a couple of hours free time a day. How much would make you happy? As much as possible. <laughs> So 20 minutes wouldn't be enough for you? Definitely not. No, how much would you really like in an ideal world, just you and yourself? Four, four or five hours. Four or five hours? Yeah. More than, more than your, your man here? Yeah. What would you do in that time? It's time, you know, to, to yourself, to do stuff for yourself. Whether it's housework or going for a run or a bit of shopping. How just... much do you have at the moment in your day? About two hours. Yeah, a couple, few, couple <laughs> of hours, yeah. Wow, you're living the dream. Because, I don't know, two or three hours. What would you do in that time? Shower, watch TV, and, you know, just relaxing. Yeah, on my own. Do you get that? Yeah, because uh, I'm living only with three people, and they, when I'm coming back from work, they are going to work, and I'm, I'm, I, and I'm alone at home. Uh, maybe two hours? An hour? An hour, an hour. You don't get your hour a day, so how long do you get? Maybe half an hour? Half an hour a day. Oh, yeah. Do you think that helps you to stay emotionally balanced? I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need your own space. Yeah. Paint my nails. Well, it turns out there are a lot of lazy people out there, Sophie. Painting your nails. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing to do? I could leave work now. What? Go oh, down to the nail bar. This is the second show in a row you've banged on about your flipping nails, Solaria. I didn't get this with Dealey. Sorry. Yeah. He's coming back soon. Oh, really? Yeah. In some ways, I'm happy, but in more ways, I'm sad. Yeah, I mean, he does paint his nails. In so, fact, he plucks more than me. <laughs> yeah, he is a plucker, a that's, that's, that's definitely true. Sophie Solaria, thank you very much. We'll talk to you a bit later on. How much free time do you need? I can easily... People say, oh, I've got... I've got I can't... Oh, I've got a weekend with nothing to do. I'm going to be so bored. Oh, I could fill that weekend. Take the kids away for the weekend. Leave me in the house on my own. I could fill that easily. My Sky Plus box is full of films and TV shows to watch. That's one day. That's a day and a half. Xbox. Oh, there's just so much to do. 08459 455 555. I'll remind you of the maths problem that Graham Lawler gave us as well. It's getting quite a lot of you angry. I can only apologise. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The B658 is still shut for roadworks at the South Hill Road Junction. They're hoping to have that all wrapped up and finished, though, by tomorrow, so it should be opened after then. Taking a look at the A41 in Aylesbury, at the moment it's actually moving quite well. No delays on the sensors or any of the cameras around there, but there are some temporary traffic lights for water main work around the junction with Berrylands, and there will be for another week or so. M25, anti-clockwise, slow moving from the M1 toward Kings Langley, quite busy, 
and stop start from Watford round to the M40 junction 19 to 16 and maybe a little bit slow through the roadwork section both ways as well. As for the A1, that's queuing southbound from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. Not a solid queue, but it's definitely stop start there. And the A10 into London through Enfield, there's heavy traffic from Bullsmore Lane towards Southbury Road. If you're commuting by rail though, things on the trains and tubes are looking absolutely fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 7.30 News and Sport. Catherine Boyle, here we go. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines reports from Egypt say the country's first freely elected president, Mohamed Morsi, is in custody after his government was ousted last night by the military. Resettlement units will be opened in four local prisons under government plans to prepare inmates for freedom. And a mother from Stevenage is demanding answers after being left waiting 50 minutes for an ambulance for her two-year-old. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray is through to the semi-finals at Wimbledon. Britain's number one came through a dramatic five-set thriller against Spain's Fernando Vadasco yesterday. He'll face Poland's Jerzy Janowicz on Friday and is wary of the Poles' good form in this tournament. Second set was a bad set of tennis for me. It was 3-1 up and then made some bad mistakes and then I turned it around really well after that. That's his happy voice. It's women's semi-finals day at Wimbledon with Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova both out. A new favourite in Germany's Sabine Lezicki has emerged. She'll face fourth seed Agnieszka Radvanska on centre court later and is playing down her favourite tag ahead of that match. She played the finals last year so she obviously feels very comfortable on the court and has a lot of confidence but you know I'm looking forward to playing the semis and we'll go out there to win. To cricket, Nick Compton told the BBC he feels he's not been given a chance by the England selectors after being dropped for their Ashes warm-up match against Essex. Compton scored 79 for Worcestershire on day two of their match with Australia 11. England in their final warm-up game before the first test beat Essex by 228 runs. Australia have recalled veteran flanker George Smith to their side for the series-deciding test against the British and Irish Lions in Sydney on Saturday. Smith made his last test appearance in 2009. And in footballs, this is Stevenage captain who took over as caretaker manager on occasion last season has left the club. Mark Roberts was out of contract and assigned for League Two side Fleetwood. And that's the latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at eight. Sing hosannas, Catherine. I've learned I can do a second impression in my repertoire. Oh, I've really? nearly got a full three minute act. Go on. Oh, first set of tennis was about, and I played the second set of tennis, and I would have played all the tennis. <laughs> that sounds like Ronnie Corbett. My name's Andy. I, do you know what my other impression is? My Andy Moore's a bit better than yours. That's Sean Connery. Do you want to? Do you want to hear my other impression? Yeah. Okay, you'll get this. This is genuinely brilliant. I haven't done it for a while, so I, hang on. Look, that's the worst singing I've ever seen in my life. Danny Minogue. Simon Cowell. Hang on, let's do it again. I'll do it again. Look, that's the worst singing I've ever seen in my life. My name is Simon Cowell. Any better? <laughs> Kylie Minogue. Oh you made me play the travel bed now. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. I genuinely thought they were good impressions. I haven't done my Simon Cow for a while. But my... I, oh, 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 no, don't pull that face at me. Don't pull that face. But the, the, the Andy Murray... Uh, first set of tennis, I played it. And then the second set of tennis, and I played it. 
You see? Oh, my girlfriend's hotter than I am. You see, I can do it. I can do it. Coming up in the next 30 uh, minutes, we'll be talking more about waiting for ambulances. Uh, we'll be... Can I just quickly recap, actually, the, the maths problem? Let's just throw that out there again. I've had lots of abuse on Twitter for this. Someone saying, it's not a maths problem, it's an English problem. Uh, uh, listen, I didn't... Have a listen to this. This, is, this was Graham, our maths expert. He set this problem at 10 to 7. We'll get the answer before the end of the show, but see if you can work this out. I've got two coins in my pocket, and they add up to £1.50, and one of them is not a pound coin. What are they? Uh, two seventy-five pence coins? It'll be something frustrating. If you know the answer to that, 08459 555 is the telephone number, or you can send me uh, a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Now, campaigners against the herbal stimulant CAT have welcomed the decision by the government to ban it. The decision by the Home Secretary goes against a recommendation from the government's own drug advisers, who concluded in January that CAT should remain legal. Well, joined now by Terry Baines, who is the chair of the Fishermead Residents Association in Milton Keynes, where the Somali community used the drug. Good morning to you, Terry. Good morning, Ian. And I'm also joined by Dr Axel Klein, who's a lecturer in anthropology of conflict, criminal justice and policy at the University of Kent. Dr Klein was also an expert witness to the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs. Good morning to you, Doctor. Good morning. Terry, we'll start with you. What's your reaction to the drug being banned? I'm overjoyed. I'm really, really impressed. Um, there's been a lot of work going on, particularly on my estate with the Somalian community, who were the ones that brought this t- to the front. Um, they're the ones that wanted it banned. Um, they're the ones that, that really suffer with this, um, this horrible hallucinogenic um, drug that uh, is widely used. And uh, it's been a really good result. In what way are they suffering, Terry? Um, if you can imagine, um, the people that use it are on a euphoric high for a day, or even two days. They're, they're missing from the family unit. They, they're not productive within the family unit. And the Somalian community here was telling us that, that um, because of that, um, that, they're not working, they're not, um, they're not being productive within the family. So they're the ones that are suffering. So it, it, if that, that's the case, then... That's why we joined in as a group to help them. And also the, the antisocial behaviour from the people that are using it, um, it going into, into single houses uh, that are known as cat houses and chewing this leaf. Or, uh, and um, the antisocial behaviour from them as they leave. Well, um, what antisocial behaviour is there? We were trying to pin that down earlier and we, we couldn't quite work out what it was. What, what is the antisocial behaviour because well, of cats? I, I, I live on Fishermead and I live 50 metres away from a, from a flat that's used as a, as a cat house. Yep. It's the shouting, it's the, it's the noise, um, it, it's, it's the, um, the, the parking of their cars, um, it, it's the... The, the men that group together... So it's people coming in and out of a house and parking their cars is, is, is the it, problem? It is, to, to me it is, yep. but with the, with the Somalian community themselves, it's a fact that they're not, they're not with their family group. They're, they're okay. on this euphoric high... Let's, so let's put these points to Dr Axel Klein. Uh, D- Dr Klein, I believe you've tried, Kat, a 24-hour or 48-hour euphoric hallucinogenic high. Is that correct? Uh, not according to the cat that I had. had. I'm, I must have been taking the wrong cat. Uh, it's a mild stimulant. Um, it gives you a buzz, like a, like a double espresso, and you come down after a couple of hours, having chatted uh, with your friends, and it's an extremely benign and harmless drug that's been used for centuries in Northeast Africa and Yemen. Uh, I have never understood what the fuss is about. So what people are really objecting to, and, 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 and please let me remind you that no medical evidence 
has been found and people have been investigating this now uh, for over 30 years since, since the World Health Organization first looked into the subject. There, there have been, there's no association um, between any medical or, uh, or mental health consequences that has been proven. Um, it is far more benign than any of the alternative stimulants that we, that we know. And it certainly is far less uh, hazardous than alcohol or, or cannabis or any of the other popular um, illicit and illicit substances that are current in the UK. What people are objecting to very much seems to me uh, to, uh, is, is just the behavior of Somali men, which could be addressed by regulating the, um, the, the substance and its consumption. Terry, th- th- what do you think about that? We, it, it's, it could have been regulated better. I, I don't agree. Uh, um, if, if Holland, who are a very, very conservative country, have banned it for the same reasons, uh, they, they, cannabis is still legal over there. So why, why have they done it? Why is it that the whole, of the, the whole of Europe, the whole of North America, have banned the same substance? You know, it's... It's we don't necessarily need to copy other countries, though, Terry. Sometimes we, we, we as Britain could lead the way, couldn't we? we, we that's, I agree with you there, but I don't agree with the medical uh, thing on it because um, I've been reading and, I, and I, I've, I've studied with other people on the estate. Okay. Just bear in mind, you are talking to a doctor. I, I, I agree, yes. Um, but from what I gather, there, is, there are medical problems with it. There are stomach problems. There are... Um, it, cause, it can cause gum disease and, and, and tooth rotting and this sort of thing. This is what we're being told. This is the, this is the medical stuff that came and out. Who is telling you this, Terry? This, this, came off, this came off the internet and it was part of the argument from the um, World Health Organization. Do- Dr. Klein, it, it, information off the internet. Uh, the World Health Organization rejected the call for a ban on cat say, uh, in, well, four years ago, and it said that the, the hazards associated with cat do not merit control. It was very clear about this. There are certain associations that have been stipulated by different, um, in a couple of papers. None of this, as I said, has been proven in medical trials. And there's always the reservation that where there is an association with certain certain conditions, it is due to unusual or excessive um, patterns of use. Don't forget, this is widely used and has been widely used. And but not a, it is banned in a, a lot of Europe. It is banned in the States, Dr. Klein. What, why do you think that, that that's wrong? Again, I mean, we've got to be very exact. You know, it, it, it is not banned in the US per se. It has been banned by the Drugs Enforcement Administration. Where it has been banned in the Netherlands and Canada... Uh, I'm familiar with the process, and the scientific advice was also that it did not merit a ban, and these were government decisions taken very often for political reasons, often to do with arguments around immigration. And what I find interesting that the people who have been lobbying for it in the UK are very closely associated with Islamic groups. And I think this is interesting, that we, that we have a flourishing trade where we have Somali entrepreneurs who've been working hard, setting up um, mafishes, cat cafes, many of which are very well organized, who are organizing the importation with long commodity chains going back to uh, Ethiopia and Kenya, where the stuff is grown and cultivated. Um, these people are now being put out of business um, in, uh, they're being bankrupted when they're trying to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Uh, and the Islamic movement, the Islamist movement of jihadists, which has been fighting hard against Qat, um, 
people who have killed cut traders in, back in Somalia. Their, their arguments have been listened to. I find that an extraordinary um, upside down of, 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 of arguments. The thing is, Dr. Klein, it, it, uh, it, it is easy for you to say that, yes, it, it should remain legal, uh, but you're not in Terry's position. You're not living 50 yards away from a cat house where, where men are coming and going and parking their cars. Terry has to uh, uh, look at this every day, doesn't he? I live 50 yards away from a pub where people are coming and parking the pub. I'm not advocating that alcohol should be banned. I'm saying there should be regulations, maybe opening hours. Um, Maybe the access to to cats should should be controlled. I definitely think there should be quality controls. Uh, You should not have a retail premise running out of of a residential uh, house anywhere. That's, that's, That's obvious. It needs to be regulated, as it has been in many parts of the country. We've got hundreds of mafishes all over the country, most of which are working fine. Terry? Hello there. Yeah, well, what's your response to what the doctor said? I don't agree. I don't agree at all. Um, on the streets, uh, I've got people on my estate who I represent that, that are absolutely fed up of the antisocial behaviour. Okay, yes, I can see his point regarding the pubs. They are regulated, um, uh, uh, and, and but with the cat issue... I'm looking at the further, the, the bigger picture. If the, and I don't agree with the Islamist thing because it's simple. The Somalian community on this on my estate is quite large. They are the ones that came to us. They are the ones that, that, that don't see their husbands, their brothers, their fathers because of the cat issue. Because they are not within the family unit. They're the ones that came to us, and um, we back them. Totally. Uh, and if, if we lose the cat issue, more happy for them. They are integrating within our community. It's just going to push it underground, though, isn't it, Terry? People will still use cats. Well, hopefully it, it won't go that way. Um, you know, I, I, I have concerns how it's going to be policed. Well, it does, it does with cannabis and with cocaine and with heroin and LSD. These things, people don't stop using them just because they're illegal. Well, they don't. I agree with you. Hopefully, we can get some more resources with our uh, inf- uh, for, uh, law enforcement uh, agencies, and maybe, uh, hopefully, we can get something done with the others as well, because that's another massive issue on my estate, Do- we're pushing. Dr Klein, final question to you. Is it significant that, yet again, a Home Secretary has ignored the advice of the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs? Well, absolutely. No, the question is, what do we have uh, uh, the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs for? Uh, and what whatever happened to evidence-based policymaking? because I think this is entirely uh, symbolic po- uh, politics rather than anything that's based on good evidence and with care for the consequence. Because as you, as you pointed out, the criminalisation of the Somali community is going to have far more negative consequences for the Somalis than CAT is having at the moment. Dr Clyde, thank you very much uh, indeed. He was uh, an expert witness to the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs. And the other voice you heard there uh, was Terry Baines, who is the chair of the Fishermead Residents Association in Milton Keynes. 08459 555 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking slow as you come toward the Black Cat roundabout. It's already getting quite busy from St Neots down toward the Black Cat. It's looking slow on the A1 there. Once you get beyond the roundabout... The Black Cat's illegal. Oh, no, hang on, that's the other cat. Sorry, 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 Adam, I apologise. Carry on. It's all right, no problem. And then as you continue down towards Sandy and Biggleswade, it's looking fine. Once you're on the A1M, though, you'll find a short delay as you go past Stevenage. 
Things on the A10 running well. However, we have got a delay on the A120 between Bishop Stortford and Standon at the A10. Dunstable, short delays on the A5 near to the A505 junction. You might find it a little bit slow as well as you make your way down toward the M1. A41 from Hempstead down to the M4, uh, M25 is looking a little bit slow. You've got stop-start traffic on the M25 into the roadwork section anti-clockwise, so it's looking slow past Chesant at Junction 25. It's then also looking slow into the roadworks on the clockwise side past the A1M. If you're going anti-clockwise past the M1, from there to Kings Langley is slow, then from Watford to the M40 is stop-start all the way round. Delays into London on the A1 through Borehamwood, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. No problems reported for the trains or tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, these are your headlines at 7.46 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Reports from Egypt say the country's first freely elected president, Mohamed Morsi, is in custody after his government was ousted last night by the military. Resettlement units will be opened in four local prisons under government plans to prepare inmates for freedom. In sport, Andy Murray beat Fernando Vadasco at Wimbledon. He'll take on Poland's Jerzy Janowicz in the semi-finals. Coming up, what keeps women happy? New research set suggests they need just 20 minutes of free time a day. And boy, oh boy, do I agree with that. Right, 7.47... Let's keep our fingers crossed. I'm going to press the button and we're going to see if the weather's there. I hope so. Elizabeth? Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello. Very good morning to you. Yes, I can hear you much better now. That's always, uh, it's always nice to hear your, your dulcet tones. Sound sarcastic, Elizabeth. <laughs> Sound sarcastic. <laughs> I'm not. Anyway, the heatwave is on its way. It's all going to kick off tomorrow and it's looking really very promising indeed for the weekend. Lots of sunshine around and staying very warm or even hot with temperatures possibly getting as high as the high 20s, even perhaps touching 30 degrees by the time we get to Sunday. With the good weather set to last for the rest of next week, the only fly in the ointment really, I suppose, is if you suffer from hay fever or if you want a good water for the garden because uh, no such luck, I'm afraid, uh, for the next uh, for the next week or so, I don't think at all. Um, as we head through the rest of today, though, it's going to continue to feel quite warm and muggy. Lots of cloud around. There will be a few outbreaks of drizzle, I think, just falling from the thickest of the cloud and a very small chance of catching one or two very light showers through this afternoon. But most places are going to stay dry, but really rather cloudy with a bit of brightness developing later on through the afternoon, perhaps even some sunshine to end the day. It is going to feel gradually fresher as we head through the afternoon, but still we're looking at highs of 21 or 22 degrees Celsius across beds, hearts and bucks today. And that's well into the 70s and Fahrenheit. 72 really in Fahrenheit. Southwesterly breeze. It'll feel nice and refreshing in places. As we head through into this evening and overnight, a slightly fresher feel to things then. Temperatures still holding on into double figures for our towns though. And then as we get into tomorrow, there will be a few mist patches around tomorrow, particularly um, over the Chilterns, I think, tomorrow morning. But all the clouds should lift and clear. We'll see plenty of sunshine around and highs of 24 or 25 degrees. That's the forecast. Thank you, Elizabeth. Weeknights from seven, Mark Forrest. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Let's talk to Lynn. What's your story? Is there life after the armed forces? They've got fantastic skill set. City Street is great. Fruit, veg, fruit. You're telling me the best thing about your local market. It's inexpensive, but quality products that's grown locally. How has adoption affected your family? He always says to me, she is my birth mother, but you're my mum. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're talking about um, carers and uh, how the, the Leonard Cheshire, the charity, want to increase the minimum 
time for a care visit from 15 minutes to longer. It's 15 minutes. Uh, Jill has uh, has texted in, 81333, starting her text 3CR. A friend of mine was a carer. She did the job as she needed no experience, and the more homes they visited in a day, the more money they would earn. Hence the reason they spend so little time there, so they could fit more visits in each day. She didn't even like old people. And I've said this before, a lot of them are brilliant, the carers. We had some real dodgepots, my mum. T- uh, two women, well, one went to prison. Nicked all her jewellery and took three grand out of her bank account. One of them went to prison for it. Amazing! I was only spotted because my aunt, who I don't get on particularly well with, but she um, just questioned a bank statement. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. So th- there are some... And another one nicked loads of clothes and sold them at a car boot sale. There are some dodgepots. Most of them are excellent. But 15 minutes... It's not long enough at all. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Dave says prisoners get treated better than our elderly. Tammy says they've been doing 15-minute visits since the time that my husband and I had a home care business back at the end of the 90s. These dreadful visits are very unfulfilling for both patient and carer. There just isn't time to do any more than knock them up a quick sandwich and maybe rinse a cup and a plate or two. There's no time for niceties, like a chat with the patient, which also means that instead of the carer providing what the patient needs, the patient gets what the assessing social worker thinks they need. Let's do... uh, It's a very long one. Thank you for that, Tammy. I will read all of that later on. Uh, And uh, let me just pick one more. Rachel says... In reality, it's not even 15 minutes. The carers can log out after about 11 minutes. It's still classed and still charged as 15. 08459 455 555. The government is to introduce 70 resettlement prisons, including four in the three counties, to offer more help to offenders coming to the end of their sentences. Up to 40% of Bedford Prison, Woodhill in Milton Keynes, Spring Hill in Aylesbury, and the Mount Prison in Bovingdon will be used for resettlement. Well, the Police and Criminal Justice Minister is Damien Green. He joins me now. Good morning, Damien. Good morning. What's the idea behind this? The idea behind this is to stop people reoffending. basically. Uh, a huge amount of crime is committed by people coming out of prison, often after short sentences. If you're sentenced to less than 12 months at the moment, uh, you don't get any rehabilitation work uh, in prison or outside. Uh, we think that if you've got people uh, in a prison near to where they're coming out, it's much easier to make sure that they've got someone working with them inside the prison who can then work with them outside the prison as well to keep them on the straight and narrow when they come out. And will the prisons have to be converted to accommodate the resettlement prisoners? No, not not, not in, in any significant way, because they're still, as it were, the same prisoners. We've got the, you know, the same number of prisoners, uh, the same number of prisons. Uh, what this means is that we are changing uh, what they're about, so that these, these 70 uh, resettlement uh, prisons around the country, uh, one of their principal jobs will be to make sure that as people, if they're getting to the end of the long sentence or throughout their short sentence, uh, we've got the people in there who are going to be uh, released into the local area so as i say we can do the the essential rehabilitation work with them starting inside prison and then carrying on uh, when they've when they've gone through the prison gate as well some people might argue damien that the, the the rehabilitation should start from day one shouldn't it isn't isn't that partly what prison is about it, it, exactly so uh, and that's where the system in the past has failed as i say if you're uh, sentenced to less than 12 months now and that's quite often a lot of prolific uh, relatively low-level offenders. For instance, people who are feeding a drug habit by shoplifting, they will end up going to jail for relatively short amounts of time. And they don't even get any 
uh, work, you know, rehabilitation help when they come out, let alone inside the prison. So this will transform, it's part of the transforming the whole effort at Rehabilitate Prison so that prison can do what we want it to do. Obviously it's there to punish people, but also uh, to, to give them the best chance possible of not coming out and, and carrying on a life of crime. So current rehabilitation schemes just don't work then? Well, the the, the, the reoffending rate, which is the, the, the best way you can measure that, has stayed pretty constant uh, for the last 10 years. And because uh, we find that um, 60% of people who are sentenced to less than 12 months reoffend again when they come out within 12 months, so clearly uh, the system is, is not working anything like well enough. And we've tried some uh, experiments with, with this type of work, and we see that reoffending rate fall by 5%. Um, and as I say, that makes a significant difference to the total amount of crime being committed. Damien, thank you very much. That's the Police and Criminal Justice Minister, Damien Greenwell. Later on in the show, I'll be speaking to Christopher Stacey from Unlock, a group formed by former prisoners who wanted to use their experience to help others who want to move on with their life. Now, have a listen to this. I've got two coins in my pocket and they add up to £1.50 and one of them is not a pound coin. What are they? That's Graham Lawler. He's our maths expert. Ha, ha, ha. I've, I've sent an email around saying I don't want that guy booked anymore. Every time he comes on, he annoys me. Eric has uh, uh, texted in his answer to that. He has a £2 coin and a 50 pence. What? £2 minus 50 pence is £1.50. Well, yeah, yeah, but he's got... What? Eric? That's what I think to that answer. 08459 455 555. Uh, earlier on in the show, we spoke to uh, a mum who had to wait 51 minutes for an ambulance to come and help her two-year-old boy after he had a seizure. Well, we're asking how long you've had to wait for ambulances. Uh, I can speak to Dave now. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Dave, I don't want to know where you are or, or the ambulance service that you use, but, but tell yeah. me what your story is. What happened? Well, um, my mother-in-law had a fall in the bathroom and... Um, after four nine 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 calls, it turned up, yep. and um, three and a half hours later. How old? How old is your mother-in-law? Um, well, she was ninety-nine at the time. Oh blimey! So a, a, a fall at that age is is is, is significant, isn't it? Of course. Yeah, and what so condition was she in? Um, she was lying on the floor um, in the bathroom. Um, against the bath, um, she had a, her arm twisted under her body, oh and she was she was calling for for help. Um, but the ambulance service said that they gave it the wrong priority because um, they were told she wasn't injured. Well, we we dispute that, and I've um, I've requested copies of the. 999 calls that were made yeah. and um, it's a struggle even to get them their response to this request is as bad as their ambulance response to be honest How with. long ago did this happen Dave? Um, this happened at the end of last year I actually came in and spoke to you about it Okay. Oh, yeah, of course, yes. Now, and uh, uh, your mother-in-law uh, was 99 surely even if she hadn't been injured a fall at that age is an important, serious issue, isn't it? It is very important. She she actually, in the fall, um, broke her hip. Oh I mean, obviously, they didn't know that at the time. No. But when the when the first nine 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 call was being made, um, the carer that made the call said that they must have heard her.
crying for help, but she was standing over her making the call. Yeah. So um, we think that, that they gave it the wrong priority. Um, but anyway, I mean, she's she's died since. And um, but what I'm trying to find out is actually what was said on the 999 mm. calls. But I'm just struggling to get the copies. They keep fobbing me off. But, I mean, I will get them um, eventually, but um, that's that's the way it is, isn't it, at the moment? So when you ask for the, the, the transcripts or, or copies of the phone calls, what do they say? Well, what you have to do is to get um, written permission from the person that made the call. Right. You, you send those in, and then you wait. Well, the first time I, um, I chased them up, um, um, they seemed to... First of all, they said, well, you've got to send in these request forms. And I said, well, I've done that. And then they go away and then they come back and say, oh, yes, we've got them. And, Dave, um, Dave, sorry to interrupt. Listen, we're running out of time. Stay on the line. Speak to a member of our team. Maybe, if it's all right with you, maybe one of us could put in a phone call and see if we can speed this up a little bit. Yeah, OK. Would thanks. you be all right with that? I can't promise anything, but sometimes no. if you mention the three magic letters, BBC, yeah. sometimes people pull their fingers out. Yeah. Stay on the line, Dave. Speak to a, a member of my team and we'll see if we can take that forward in any way. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking slow on the A1, going southbound toward the Black Cat roundabout from St Neots. It's also looking busy on the A1M. Speed sensors are picking up delays as you come down past Stevenage. Hitchin to Stevenage, really. Junction 8 to 7 is where it's looking slowest. Everything else seems to be moving OK. We've got no major delays on any of the other routes. The M1 certainly is looking clear. A41, Hemel Hempstead down to the M25 is slowing up a bit. And you might find a short queue on the A404 as you make your way from High Wycombe down past Marlow and off toward the M4. Now, quite a few patches of traffic on the M25. It's slow in into the roadworks from the M11, so back in Essex, round toward the A10 at Enfield. Then it's slow from the M1 to Kings Langley. And that, that gave you a M4 jump, didn't it? Just a little <laughs> bit, sorry, yeah. I had it on too loud. Have you finished, Adam? I do apologise. I was just going to say, trains and tubes looking for Lovely. Me. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I heard him jump there, did you? Uh, we'll talk more after the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Eight o'clock, the headlines. Egyptian president ousted, resettlement prison units announced and calls for longer care visits. BBC Three Counties Radio. Egypt's ousted president Mohamed Morsi has been arrested a day after the army forced him from power. A number of his aides have also been detained. But tens of thousands of people opposed to the president have spent the night celebrating in Tahrir Square in Cairo, as Kevin Connolly reports. Long into the night, Cairo celebrated. To the protesters... The removal of their freely elected but deeply unpopular leader is a step forwards in the evolution to democracy here, not a step backwards. Mohamed Morsi's supporters, though, are in no doubt that we are witnessing a military coup in Egypt where the army has long exercised a dominant voice in political life. No one knows what comes next for Egypt. The danger is that both sides will attempt to settle things by bringing their people onto the streets. The army says that won't be allowed to happen but it won't be easy to stop. Resettlement units will be opened in four local prisons and the government plans to prepare inmates for freedom. The units at Bedford Prison, Woodhill in Milton Keynes, Spring Hill in Aylesbury and the Mount Prison in Bovingdon will be used for those coming to the end of their sentences. 
A mother from Stevenage is demanding answers after waiting 50 minutes for an ambulance for her two-year-old. Natalie Frost called 999 when her son had a seizure. A first response paramedic arrived within 12 minutes and radioed through for an ambulance. She told Ian Lee what happened next. He just wasn't responding and the paramedic was, the first response paramedic was continuously sort of radioing over saying, can I have an ambulance? This, I've got a two-year-old unresponsive. I heard them say, oh, we've got some crews are on lunch, one crews are on their, up to their hours. And I heard at one point, oh, one crew's got 10 minutes left on their lunch and then I can send them. Councils are being urged to extend home care visits beyond the legal minimum of 15 minutes. The Leonard Cheshire Disability Charity says it's not enough time to offer a service which preserves the dignity of clients. That's also the experience of Colette McEveney from Age Concern Luton. One of the biggest problems we hear from people working in the care... I was going to say profession, but it's an industry. But people who are working in care is that they feel they're not giving good care because they're not treating that person in the way that they would want to be treated. Not because they're bad people, because because there simply isn't enough time to actually do it in a way that shows respect and allows dignity to that person. Train companies in the three counties are being urged to share tickets in the evening rush hour in order to ease overcrowding. The Milton Keynes South MP Ian Stewart is hoping train operating companies come to a temporary agreement. At present, London Midland ticket holders aren't allowed to use Virgin trains and vice versa. In sport, Britain's number one Andy Murray made a dramatic comeback to win his quarterfinal against Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court yesterday. He'll meet Poland's Jurtz Janowicz in the semi final. I'm Andy Wimbledon. Murray. I played a second set and then the first set and then I won the tennis match. My mum's called Judy. Son Canna, you could be him. The weather cloudy to start getting warmer with sunny spells into the afternoon and a top temperature of 24 degrees Celsius. That's 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. That was genuinely good. And that bit about my mum being called Judy, that's, that's, that's a fact if I were Andy Murray. So that's how you do it. I, I genuinely think that's a brilliant impression. Boy, oh boy. I'm, I, all I need is one more. I've got Simon Cowell, Andy Murray, one more. And I can tell the suckers here at BBC Three Counties to stick their job. I'm going to become a famous impressionist on Britain's Got Talent. Yes. My bosses were listening to that. I'm Sorry. Three minutes past eight. It's Thursday, the 4th of July. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show before JVS, including there are calls for an end to 15-minute home care visits. A leading charity says, well, they're just not long enough and should be doubled. If you've got an elderly or disabled person in your life who receives home care visits, how long do they get? And how much is enough? 08459 455 555. I'll be speaking to the Hertfordshire professor, professor even, who says that women need just 20 minutes to recharge their batteries, whereas men can take a whole day. Sexist nonsense, or has he got a point? And also, have a listen to this. I've got two coins in my pocket, and they add up to £1.50, and one of them is not a pound coin. What are they? It's doing my head in. What's the answer? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. And <clears throat> you can give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, something that I know affects uh, lots of you. It certainly affected me in my life. If you had to help an elderly or disabled relative to wash get dressed and eat. How much time would you need? Could you do it in 15 minutes? 
Well, that's the minimum time currently used by three quarters of the local authorities in the UK, including those in the three counties when it comes to home care visits. A charity is launching a campaign today that would see all councils make these visits longer than 15 minutes. Uh, well, Leonard Cheshire Disability uh, have, uh, are supporting this wholeheartedly, saying that 15 minutes isn't long enough. And if you've been in this situation, I'd love to talk to you this morning. Is 15 minutes long enough? Earlier on in the show, Colette McKeveney uh, spoke to us, and she says the current situation where 15 minutes is standard isn't long enough, and it doesn't give dignity to either the individual or their carer. It's absolutely dreadful. I mean, you know, sort of sometimes they're travelling between um, various addresses, and they're getting caught in traffic. Um, some agencies are only paying them a very minimum sum. They're not being paid for their actual travel time. They might be getting a travel allowance for the miles they're going to. And, you know, that again is a big problem because these are people trying to make a living as well. So, you know, I, I think what happens is that, again, it's this practice of people feeling, you know, I've got to do it. It's a task. I've got to get through it quickly. I don't really have a conversation with Mr. Jones looks too long about how he's feeling today because, you know, otherwise Mrs. Bloggs is going to be waiting even longer for her care. So it is a really, really big problem. And I think it's really fantastic that it's coming to the forefront yet again. I hope that everybody sort of thinks about it. Well, the charity Leonard Cheshire Disability is launching a campaign today that would see all councils make home care visits longer than 15 minutes. The charity says it's barely time for the care worker to get their coat off. Well, I'm joined by the charity's chief executive, Claire Pelham, Good morning, Claire. Morning. Why did you feel it necessary to launch this campaign? Well, we think it's important to actually to draw the line because this is something that we've been observing over the past few months that's been a, a gradual reduction. And we absolutely understand that local authorities are under cost pressures and many of them deliver great care. But we think we have to support them in knowing where to draw the line and to say this is something as a country, no matter how tough times are, that we think is valuable and important and that no one, no disabled person, no older person who needs support should be treated. One of our staff said we're expected to treat people like robots. They're just boxes on a form to tick. And it's time that we all remember these are real people with real feelings and real needs. We spoke to somebody we support who, and I think this is so sad, wouldn't let us use her real name Mm. because she thought that she might get some sort of punishment if she complained about the service she received. And she she receives 15-minute visits. And one of the things she said to us on a regular basis is, I have to choose between asking my care worker to make me a cup of tea or helping me to go to the toilet. Now, that's just a disgrace. I'm sorry, and this is the place where we think that we, as a charity, should, should call upon Parliament to draw the line. Your carers, uh, and I know you've got teams of carers all across the country, what do they say about this? They really dislike it. I mean, it often starts in a small way where you're asked to pop round and perhaps administer an injection or to help with some medication. And that can easily be done in 15 minutes. And we have no objection to that at all when the person themselves wants a very brief visit. But what's ha- what we've seen happening is that gradually over time, more and more things are requested so that, as you said... People are now being asked to support somebody to get up out of bed, to have a bath, to get dressed, to have a breakfast in 15 minutes. And as one of our members of staff said, I'm out of the door before they've taken their first mouthful and we haven't even said good morning to each other. Mm. Now, I'm sure all your listeners this morning are trying to get themselves ready for work or for school or for whatever. 
and I expect that many of them aren't able to do that for themselves in 15 minutes. Imagine trying to support somebody to do it in, from a, perhaps a wheelchair user or someone with a visual impairment in less than 15 minutes. It's actually not possible to do that in a way which is respectful and caring. Claire, have a listen to this. Earlier on in the show, I spoke to David, who receives four home care visits a day. Each one lasts 15 minutes. Uh, he gets two carers each time. He was speaking to us as he was waiting for his carers to arrive so he could get out of bed. He says the service doesn't provide him with what he needs. I will back anybody that, 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 that goes for this because care, and I, may I quote a well-known charity, care is in catastrophic crisis and it's a shameful situation. It's a national disgrace and it's cross-party. Is there realistically, though, Claire? I mean, and David's a 78-year-old bloke, I think he said he was, and, uh, uh, and I think it is disrespectful. But is there realistically anything that, that can be done? Everyone is working on a budget. Councils are cutting uh, uh, budgets. There is no money, is there? Well, I think, I think there is, actually, and we have a fantastic opportunity. There is a bill going through Parliament at the moment called the Care Bill, and next week there'll be discussion about an amendment that we've had a hand in drafting to ban 15-minute visits. And so we're asking everyone, please, please, please write to your MP to support it, because every time we talk to them, they tell us that they don't get many letters about this. And I absolutely understand that people with care needs have enough on their plates to do without writing to their MP. So I think if we as a country really care about this, we should show that we care by writing to our MP. And please also join our campaign at lcdisability.org or tweet hashtag MakeCareFair because in a time of austerity, the feedback we've had is that people feel really, really passionately that the money should go to where it's needed most. What is this amendment to the bill that you've you put forward? What exactly is that asking for? Well, it will make it... It will stop local authorities commissioning any home care visits for less than 30 minutes because that, we think, is the absolute minimum for a stranger to come into your home and to support you to do your personal care. We're talking about going to the toilet, having a bath, uh, with decency and with respect. Claire, I wish you the best of luck and uh, maybe we'll speak to you uh, in a little bit to, to, to see how things are going. Many thanks. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Leonard Cheshire's Chief Executive, Claire Pelham. Just think about it. 15 minutes to get dad or grandma out of bed, take them to the loo, wash them, dress them, give them breakfast. It's just not long enough, is it? It isn't long enough. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can go to Facebook as well, as lots of you have done this morning. Let me read two Facebook comments at random. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Uh, Jane says, My sister's mother-in-law has just been allocated a 15-minute visit. She does have a morning and lunchtime visit, but my sister thought the time between visits was too long a gap and asked for a look-in during the evening. But, yeah, that's it. You, you'll, you'll get someone at nine, then you'll get someone at one, then you'll get someone at five. It's a four-hour gap. Um, and uh, Gordon says, It's an utter disgrace. 15 minutes is nowhere near enough time to sort an old person out. Should be more likely be around 45 minutes of visit. <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. New research suggests that women need just 20 minutes a day of free time to stay emotionally healthy, whilst men need to be free for hours or even the whole day to stay happy. Apparently men have their free time all worked out, whether it's at the pub, in front of the Xbox or even in the shed. But it's not the case for women. Well, according to our next guest, the answer lies in the shower. Huh? Professor Karen Pine is a developmental psychologist at the University of Hertfordshire. Karen, th- this makes perfect sense to me, but some people will disagree. Women needing less free time than men each day. Why is that? 
Well, you know, I'm not sure they need less free time. I think the fact is that they actually carve out for themselves less free time. I think men are very good, as you say, at uh, taking themselves away from the stresses of life and perhaps retreating to the shed or down the pub. But women tend to always be on call, uh, and they're not very good at uh, carving out for me time for themselves. I think that's the main problem, and many women will tell you that they always sort of put other people's needs first and forget, really, to create some me time. That's their problem, isn't it? Well, it is, yes, but uh, I think there are many demands on women nowadays. Their lives are getting busier, they're juggling what? work and family and children and yeah, caring responsibilities, as we've just heard. But men are doing that as well more and more. I'm, I'm juggling work and family and Xbox, and it is, it is difficult. Yes, I know, I, I do deserve a round of applause. Uh, <laughs> but I managed to, to find time to watch a, you know, a bit of Al Pacino in the evening or something. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. It it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I think the message from this research was that uh, women can use their showering time, for example, oh. um, to actually restore their health and well-being. They can right. retreat to the bathroom, and that's one place. They can lock the door, they can light a candle or put on some nice music, use some really lovely shower gels what? that will make them feel that they're pampering themselves and, and they're just shutting out the world for a while. We, well, I don't, we've been talking about another story this morning, Karen, that says we're using too much water. The Energy Saving Trust are saying that, that we should use less water, so I'm afraid mm. the sisters can't even do that. I know, I've heard that as well, yes, that we should restrict showering time to six and a half minutes what, because we're going to save water. Apart from the shower, what, what can women do to make more free time from themselves? I think they can actually put their own time on the top of their to-do list. So it, when they've got all those other things to do, sort out the kids' PE kit and take the cat to the vet, actually make a, a time in their busy day. Say, right, that's the time for me. That's when I'm going to go and have my shower, shut the door and, and close everybody else out. Karen, listen, thank you very much for that. It's Karen Pine, developmental psychologist at the University of Hertfordshire. I would suggest, sisters, if, you're, if you've not got enough free time in your day, that's your fault. By the way, it's me that takes the cat to the vet. I managed to work that. If you've not got enough free time in your day, well, then that's your problem. And really, honestly, right, do women really enjoy shower with a nice shower gel and scented candles? Really? That's not... That's a cliche, isn't it? Oh, I need a nice massage. Mm. No, come on. Listen, if you've not got enough free time in your life, it's your problem. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Definitely getting busier on the roads. The A1 coming down to the Black Cat roundabout looking slow from Eaton Soken. It's also busy then as you continue down towards Sandy, but through Biggleswade and onward toward the A1M is looking okay. Possibly a bit slow as you go past Stevenage on the A1M, but generally actually moving quite well around there. The camera is not showing any issues through Welling Garden City or Hatfield. Then down to the M25, you've got short delays approaching the junction. It's looking a bit busy on the A10 through Chesant down toward the M25 as well, as is the A41 from Hemel Hempstead down to the motorway. Now, if you're joining the M25 anti-clockwise, it is slow into the roadwork section, so on the approach to Junction 25, then busy from the M1 round to Kings Langley and from Watford to the M40, Junction 19 to 16. It's quite slow on the clockwise side this morning as well, with delays from Chorleywood toward Watford and then into the roadworks at the other end, so from the A1M at Junction 23. You might find a little bit of traffic as well at the London Coney roundabout on the A414 and on the A404 from High Wycombe down toward Marlow. Trains and tubes have not been causing any problems this morning. They're all still running without issue. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thank you very much, Adam. I was paying attention, honest. <laughs> right, 8.17. It's uh, Thursday, the 4th of July. It's a big news day. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Egypt has ousted, uh, Egypt's ousted president, sorry, Mohamed Morsi, has been arrested a day after the army forced him from power. Resettlement units will be opened in four local prisons under government plans to prepare inmates for freedom. At Wimbledon, Andy Murray fought back from two sets down to beat Spain's Fernando Vadasco and line up a semi-final match against Poland's Jerzy Janovic. Coming up, we'll be talking about resettlement prisons. There could be 70 introduced, four of them in the three counties. 08459 BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. This afternoon I'm talking to one of the biggest names in music. Midyear tells us how he nearly became a member of the Sex Pistols. It just didn't make any sense to me at all, you know, so it turned out it transpired that that band that he was talking about was the Sex Pistols. The phenomenon that was Live Aid and his battle with alcohol. The look in my daughter's eyes was enough to just stop me in my tracks and I stopped at that point. Midyear talking to me, Nick Coffer, today from midday here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't shake your head when I mention the word vegetarian. <laughs> my wife is uh, trying... Jonathan Vernon-Smith is here, by the way, dear listener. My wife is, uh, is trying to wind me up. She sent me a text saying, uh, I'm a vegetarian, she's not. And she said, do you as a vegetarian think animals who kill other, other animals for food is wrong? It's the kind of question she asked me to wind me up. Really? Yeah, and I've written back, no. <laughs> <laughs> she's done, ha! So what's the difference? Because humans have done it since days began, part of the human food chain. We're getting quite an insight into your marriage. She annoys me. <laughs> and during, during, during one of uh, uh, Catherine's bulletins, I wrote this, I wrote this reply, OK? So she, she's asked, what's the difference? I've written, because we are sentient, emotional and intelligent creatures, something lacking in all other life forms, certainly to the extent we, d- we display it. We can therefore make rational decisions about how we want to live our lives and how we affect things around us. Her reply... Did you Google that? <laughs> she, she knows think, you well. She doesn't think you're intelligent enough to write a reasoned response. Oh, I mean, she doesn't know Thank you Thank well. you very much. <laughs> so I'm, what I'm going to do is, I know you've been communicating with her. Yes. I'm going to put a five-day ban on that, if that's all right. But I'm no longer allowed to talk to your wife. For five days. Oh. I suspect you're a bad influence. Well, she's just got a slow cooker. Yes. <laughs> and she's been asking me for recipes. Oh, for So I've been sake. sending your lovely wife recipes. Delicious. How have you been sending her recipes? On Twitter. Oh, really? Just, yes. No, no. We, we, we direct message. She's all... Oh, really? Yes, yeah. It's all private. So it's... She's very skittish at the moment, and she... I suspect it's because of you. So five days, please. Oh. Thank you. And that's, uh, that's serious. Sent her a lovely chicken curry recipe. Well, you wouldn't eat that. <laughs> lamb shanks? No, you wouldn't eat that. <laughs> I love the phrase lamb shanks. Moroccan lamb shanks. <laughs> They're about... I think I've got their second album somewhere. On vinyl. That's how old I am. What's... <laughs> Stop trying to think of other foods that sound vaguely rude. What's coming up? <laughs> I know you. I you know you, my mind <laughs> What's coming up on your show today? Well, coming up at nine, when pictures of Nigella Lawson being held at the throat by her husband hit the front pages, you may remember I asked, would you forgive physical aggression in a relationship? Well, I heard from a lady that I'm calling Kerry. She's currently in an abusive relationship, and she described the first time her partner got violent. I can't really remember 
thought it was over, but um, he sort of went to strangle me. I sort of managed to get him off me, and then he took me into the kitchen, and then he headbutted me. Yeah. Well, today, yes, absolutely. Well, today I want to get her some help. So I've invited Katie Wastel into my studio. She's the author of How to Leave a Bully. We'll hear her story. We'll speak to Kerry. And I want your calls and your advice as well. Is leaving an abusive relationship easier said than done? If there is anyone listening who has been through this, and it was very apparent when I when I spoke to Kerry that even though she knows she's in a relationship that is not ideal, even though she knows that the relationship is, is, well, it's aggressive, if nothing more, it was quite clear that she was not at that stage where she was going to leave him. Yeah. Well, how do you get to that stage? Is it possible to help somebody to get to that stage? 08459 455 555 is leaving an abusive relationship easier said than done. That's coming up at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Dave. Yes, we'll always, uh, it's always a cracking listen. I know some of you, bizarrely, tune in just for me, then switch off at nine. Don't. Don't, because it's a cracking listen at nine o'clock with JVS, and uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Now, the government is to introduce 70 resettlement prisons, including four in the three counties. It's to offer more help to offenders coming to the end of their sentences. Up to 40% of Bedford Prison, Woodhill and Milton Keynes, Spring Hill and Aylesbury, and the Mount Prison. Don't they sound delightful places? What wonderful names they've got. Mount Prison in Bovingdon will be used for resettlement. The idea is that prisoners will be able to receive the supervision they need near where they live, rather than having to be transferred to an open prison far from home. Well, I'm joined now by Christopher Stacey from Unlock. It's a charity founded by former prisoners who wanted to use their experience to help those with convictions move on with their life. Good morning, Christopher. Morning. Now, Christopher, your organisation provides advice for people struggling in day-to-day life once they've got convictions. Do you hear from lots of people who've left prison and don't really know how to stand on their own two feet? Uh, yes, on a daily basis. So we run a peer helpline, so the, the concept being that people who have been there, who have experience of the difficulties that a criminal conviction face, that causes people when they're trying to move on with their life. And people who are coming out of prison often have been released from prisons many, many miles away from where they live, and they don't know where to go to get help. They uh, are not linked into the right agencies that are out there. There's lots of support agencies that are funded by government and others, um, but people don't know where to go. Um, so it's it's quite important for us that uh, people are uh, released uh, and held near towards their release uh, where, where they will live once they release so that they can get that support through the gate by agencies, you know, these large organisations that provide that kind of uh, support. That to one side. What, you mentioned the problems that the, the prisoners face once they leave. What other practical day-to-day problems do they face that you can help them with? So, I mean, what, one very practical and, and what might sound like a minor problem, really, is um, we do a lot of work, we've done a lot of work around access to bank accounts. So a lot of people in prison, when they are released, don't have a bank account. And as a result, they can't get a job to receive uh, wages. They can't get benefits. You know, it's hard enough finding a job, and that's one of the biggest problems that people face. But a simple problem like a bank account can be a, a real problem. So we've done a lot of work to get that established in prisons so that when they come out, they've got that ready and waiting for them. But more broadly than that, you know, the, the, the issue that um, the concept that when people leave prison, that's the end of it, is sadly not true. We speak to people who, you know, have been released many years ago, maybe even never been to prison. They've just got a criminal record. There's eight million people with a criminal record in this country. And people regularly face 
ongoing obstacles when they've you know done what society wants them to do which is leave crime behind and be a law-abiding citizen and they struggle to get into work they struggle to get insurance they struggle to get a house they struggle to look after their family is there no backup now then christopher how does it work you get released on a on thursday morning at nine o'clock what you get your bus fare and, and your, your clothes and that's it so, pretty much, at the moment, what wow. you do is you get given a discharge grant, which is £46, and that's designed to uh, look after you until you receive your first benefit payment, which can be any time between, you know, within a week. And we've heard of horror stories of where it's taken six, eight, ten weeks, which, if you were to give somebody £46 and expect them to live for ten weeks, um, it would be a miracle if they didn't, uh, you know, do something um, terrible as a result so not excusing that kind of behavior it would it be tempting wouldn't it if it was if it was in your nature anyway it would definitely be, be tempting do you welcome this new uh, plan to uh, for these um the, the, what are they called the resettlement prisons yeah um well firstly they're not new prisons they're going to be converting existing prisons and the principle is great the idea that people will be held um in prisons uh, towards their release in areas near to where they'll be released so that they can make contact with their families, that they can receive the support. In principle, that's fantastic. Um, I'm not quite sure that that will come out in reality. And I think if you were to speak to people in prison and who have been released from prison, the idea that prisons do resettlement well would probably be ridiculed a little bit because prisons do struggle to do this work. Now, there is a lot of changes being made by government to introduce more specific support um there's a lot of that support that exists already but it's quite disjointed so these are large organizations that operate in quite large areas um, and that will hopefully with these changes they'll be able to make more contact with people while they're still in prison and hopefully pick them up before things go wrong on release um but you know in an age of where there's very little money and a lot of people in prison and not much room to move people around. There are some harsh realities about just finding somewhere in prison for somebody to go, and that's often what's led to people being held many miles away from that where they're where they're uh, going back to. Christopher Stacey from Unlock. Thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to uh, give us. Uh, a call. Oh, I've got a, uh, um, what's this, a text about paramedics. Oh, we've been talking about ambulance response times after uh, a, a lady had to wait 51 minutes for an ambulance to come uh, and uh, get her son, who uh, was uh, having a fit at the age of two. Um, Ian, the paramedics on the cars are fully qualified. And with regard to the brakes, the majority of paramedics work a 12-hour shift and are often one to two hours late off and only get a 30-minute break. Stephen Arford. Steve, I, I appreciate they work very, very long shifts. But j- just try and imagine if you're a mum of a two-year-old boy that's fitted, you're in the middle of a park, and you hear over the uh, talkie-walkie that um, they can't send an ambulance to you because they've got ten minutes left on their lunch break. Now, of course, of course the ambulance crew are entitled to their lunch break, of course they are. But if you're a mum or a dad and you're hearing that and your little two-year-old is unconscious, you'd be worried, wouldn't you? Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, I'm going to be talking to a woman from Hemel Hempstead who's put something very unusual on sale on eBay, I I dread to think. And also, we'll be getting the answer to this. I've got two coins in my pocket and they add up to £1.50 and one of them is not a pound coin. What are they? It's doing my head in. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Short delays on the A1 as you come down to the Black Cat roundabout and then onwards towards Sandy. The A1M looking a little bit more clear than it was earlier this morning. 
It's looking a little bit slow as you come along the A602, though, toward Ware. And then in Hartford, short delays on the A414 between the A10 and the centre of Hartford. Then on the A414 in London Coney, you've got a bit of a queue coming toward the London Coney roundabout, mainly on the eastbound side. Hemel Hempstead looking slow on the A41 down to the M25, and you've got some delays into and out of High Wycombe now on the A404. On the M25, anti-clockwise first off, as you come into the roadworks, coming toward Junction 25 for the A10 at Chesant, it is looking slow, then it's busy through the works, and then you'll find some delays again as you come down toward the M40 from round Junction 18 at Chorleywood. The clockwise side looking a tad slow in toward the roadworks as well as you go past the A1M. Trains and tubes are not causing any problems this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 8.30, News and Sport Now. It's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Egypt's ousted President Mohamed Morsi has been arrested a day after the army forced him from power. Resettlement units will be opened in four local prisons under government plans to prepare inmates better for freedom. And a mother from Stevenage is demanding answers after waiting 50 minutes for an ambulance for her two-year-old son. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Britain's number one Andy Murray made a dramatic comeback to win his quarter-final against Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court yesterday. He'll meet Poland's Jerzy Janowicz in the semi-final. BBC tennis correspondent Jonathan Overend has more. A fright for sure. A few stressful hours. Well, we'd expect nothing less at least once during Wimbledon. But ultimately, a fifth successive Wimbledon semi-final, a fine record shared only by some of the all-time greats. He went behind yesterday because of Vadasco's extraordinary serving. Some second serves were aces at speeds higher than many of Murray's first deliveries. Murray played a patient game, trusted himself to win, and now has the Polish newcomer Jerzy Janowicz between him and a second Wimbledon final. Janowicz celebrated his quarter-final win with tears, the removal of his shirt, and a sense of total disbelief. In cricket, Nick Compton's told the BBC he feels he still has an international future and believes he hasn't been given a chance by the England selectors after being dropped for the Ashes warm-up match against Essex. Former England fast bowler Angus Fraser feels there should still be a place in the side for Compton. I do feel a bit sorry for him and I, I suppose you could say it's unadventurous of me but I'd also be protective of Root. I know he's done outstanding so far in his England career but sometimes you can get a bit giddy and you, you can push a young player too far too soon and almost letting him come in at six and sort of carry on what he's doing for a little while um, is the easy way and let maybe a, a more gnarled old pro like, like Nick Compton get out there and face the new ball. And finally, football, the Stevenage captain, who acted as caretaker manager on occasion last season, has left the club. Mark Roberts was out of contract and assigned for League Two side Fleetwood. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at nine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Morning. Three Counties Radio. Morning! A piece of paper is being whisked to me as I speak. Don't forget, uh, if you enjoy this show, and I use, I use a very small E there on the, the beginning of that word. You can listen to the podcast. There's a podcast. You can download it from uh, the BBC Three Counties website, or if you're familiar with the iTunes, you can go there. Just type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, uh, and it pops up. Or if you type in Ian Lee BBC, it pops up even quicker. Uh, you can download it. It comes out once a week. I think there are five, five or six, five out at the moment. It comes out every Friday. And it's kind of like a little 40, 50-minute best of the week. And if I do say so myself, it's a cracking listen. If you do get it from iTunes, if you leave nice comments as well and a little five-star review, 
should it you feel it warrants that, then um, kind of helps us in terms of charting and stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Right, here until nine o'clock, in the last 30 minutes of the show, we'll be finding out the answer to that irritating maths question um, and talking about, uh, well, talking about lots of things. But before that... We've been talking about uh, uh, home care. Leonard Cheshire, the uh, charity, Leonard Cheshire Disability, to give it its full title, is uh, hoping to uh, make an amendment to a bill that would uh, increase the minimum amount of time a a care visit is from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. Imagine you've got a a, a relative, disabled or elderly, they live at home on their own, uh, and a carer comes round, maybe two carers come round, but they only get 15 minutes. You can't get them out of bed take them to the toilet, wash them, dress them, feed them their breakfast. You can't do that in 15 minutes. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Sharon's in Stevenage. Morning, Sharon. Oh, good morning. Sharon, you've worked as a carer. I have, yes. How did you find... Were you doing 15-minute visits? Um, quite often, yes. Um, if you had a lot of those during the day, it was very difficult to, to fit those in and the travel time... But there's also the personal aspect of of that 15 minutes. Explain what you mean by that, the personal aspect. A a lot of um, people that receive care, sometimes a carer will be the only person they see during the day. If you've got 15 minutes, you can just about maybe do the practical stuff. But there's the personal element. People want someone to talk to. They want someone to communicate with. And and I found that it was it was nice to sit there, have a chat with them. Sometimes they wanted to have a cup of tea with you, which was lovely. Um, but you can't do that in 15 minutes. No. It's not possible. What kind of things uh, were you being asked to do in those 15-minute visits? Um, things like medication, um, which are very important. You, you have to write down in the care plan what you've administered, um, things like making breakfast, cups of tea. Um, and if you're doing all of that, not pers- it's not possible. How have we got here, uh, Sharon? This is what I don't understand. As someone who's seen this firsthand, I don't understand how we've got here where elderly people or disabled people are treated like this. It's obvious 15 minutes isn't enough, particularly if you're dressing people or taking them to... The, you know, we had a guy uh, on earlier on who said he had to choose between either uh, having something to eat or being taken to the toilet. Yeah. How yeah. did we get I, here, Sharon? I Honestly, I don't know. And I'll, I'll be honest, that was one of the reasons I gave up the job. Not because I didn't like the caring aspect. It was because I didn't feel that I was able to do what, what I wanted to do in the first place, was to care for people. Mm. I was concentrating on, on doing everything in a short amount of time, getting to the next appointment without travel time, because the companies I worked for didn't allow travel time. And you were so stressed about getting to the next person, you weren't doing the job that, that you set out to do in the first place. The thing is, though, Sharon, if, if people like you, are conscientious people who, who, with a, you know, who are doing it for the right reasons, can't hack the job, then what are we being left with? What are the kind of carers that are staying and doing the jobs? Well, I'll, I'll be honest, I've have, I have worked with some carers that, that don't really care about what they're doing they are just focused on getting to the next job um but you've got some wonderful carers out there who don't want to just spend 15 minutes with a person and as i say that's one of the reasons i gave up the job sharon uh, from stevenage thank you very much indeed it's sad isn't it there's a text here it's quite long but uh, i think karen uh, it, it warrants reading sadly i can't phone so i've got to leave for work in a minute oh well that's just cheeky work and wait for goodness sakes 
Uh, but I wanted to say, regarding carers, my nan should have half, a, half an hour twice a day. The morning carer is worth her weight in gold. She spends 35 to 40 minutes with my nan and sets her up for the day. The evening one is 15 minutes, if that. Nan is always moaning they're not here long, long enough. Whilst the lovely carer has been on holiday, she's only had a 15-minute morning visit and has had to forego a morning wash as there's not enough time. My nan is 88 and has only had carers since May. Well, I just don't understand how we got here where we, people, we think that that's acceptable way to treat vulnerable people you know it's a screwy world a woman this is completely unrelated by the way before you start thinking there's a connection a woman from hemel Hempstead has put something rather unusual on ebay uh, now i'm I, i'm not sure what it is so anita uh, uh, crawley what, what have you put on ebay uh, my 42 gallstones that were removed a, a year or so ago with the um, in, in surgery Oh, I'm just gagging a little bit. <laughs> 42 gallstones? Yes. What does a gallstone look like? Well, the ones I sold um, look... Uh, two of them, the largest two... Did it look like Jesus or something? Because um, no. they often quite sell on eBay. Things that look like Jesus sell, <laughs> sell well. OK, they didn't like him. What did they look like? Um, the two largest ones looked like um, a chocolate and a white Maltese. There were two oh. of them. One was a darker colour and one was white. Oh, that's nice. And how big are they? Well, they were Maltese size, but oh. the others varied, and they were sort of a uniform size, yeah. a few of one size and another, a few of another size. They looked like beads and about the size of your fingernail some of them and some were a little bit bigger so i had about 10 of one size 10 of another size a few smaller ones and the two great big ones it would have made oh. a nice necklace well why, why didn't you make a necklace out of them anita well i was a bit it's a bit gory actually trying to thread um the the, the cotton or whatever through something that's come out of your body it. it's a bit gory why it? did you decide to sell them you lunatic well because i am a bit off the wall i'm a bit crazy um, I decided to sell them because I'd lost them. I'd, I couldn't find where I'd put them. And then I found them again, and I thought, well, I don't want to lose them again. No. So, uh, and I do eBay, so I thought, I'll just see if they would go, see if anybody was as mad as me and trying to buy them. And you, you, you put them all in as, as one lot, or were you selling them separately? <laughs> I put them as one lot. I started them at 99p, but because they're so delicate, I didn't want them to be broken. The postage was over £4, because I'm going to send them special delivery today. Yeah. Oh, you're going to send them out today? I'm looking, um, I'm looking on eBay now to see if there are any more gallstones. No, I looked, but there was nothing else like that. No, on, um, yours are the only ones. Oh, well, the, the, the question is... How much did you get for them? I still only got the 90. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, man alive. Well, that's disappointing, I'm isn't it? I'm going to give that to a charity anyway. I mean, I'll well, they'll, they'll really be that with some more money. and They'll be grateful for that, definitely. Yeah. But Who, the value uh, of the story, it, it's worth a tenner to my local and, charity. Uh, and, uh, well, do you know anything about the, per- the, the idiot... Sorry. Do you know anything about the person that bought them? I do. Um, it's, it's going to a well-known national uh, historic building. What? Um, it's going to a well-known historic... Um, why did they, I heard it. I'm just saying what, because why would they want your manky gallstones? Well, to have a laugh and to show people the copy of the article in the Gazette and the gallstones. It, it's quite uh, news... Well, it's well, fun, isn't it? It's yes. quite unusual. A little bit of fun. Yes, and the person that bought them actually buys things like um, 
tooth extractors mm. and false teeth and things, so they're obviously a bit gory as well. What What uh, is the next part of your body you're planning to sell, Anita? Well, I'm just wondering which bit will drop off next, Ian. OK, have you got your eye on anything in particular that, that's looking a bit wobbly at the moment? Well, my eyes aren't very good, but I'm not sure anybody'd want any eyes Oh, listen, day. I tell you what, now you say that, if you put eyes on eBay, I'd, I'd, I'd be up for £2.50 bid, totally. £2.56, <laughs> that's how you beat people. You go like six pence over a, a, a little price. That's how you do it. Anita, thank you very much indeed. You are absolutely disgusting, but I love you for it. She sold her gallstones. I'd buy an eye. I would buy... I do buy a lot of stuff on eBay, and that is the kind of stuff that my wife got. You got something else from eBay? I've been banned from using eBay. Oh, I know. I've been banned because I use it too much. Or, or I can only use it when I know my wife's going to be away for a few days. And then the stuff gets sent in. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me uh, a call or if you want to call uh, JVS who'll be on at nine o'clock you're more than welcome to uh, we've got a call now we've been talking about ambulance uh, times after um, uh, a lady had to wait 51 minutes for an ambulance to arrive when her two-year-old son fitted it was at Nebworth, I think, uh, and uh, he fitted. Uh, the emergency response, the first response team came out after 11 minutes. 51 minutes for the full ambulance. Well, Bill's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Bill. Morning. Bill, you're a retired paramedic, is that right? Yeah, I retired a year ago, yeah. What do you think about 51-minute call-out time? Well, it's disgusting, but can I just put you right on one fact? Please do. Right. When a crew is on a break, yeah. they're not allowed to be disturbed. Management won't allow it. And the second fact is that when a radio message is put out, it only goes to one radio. Right. It doesn't go to every radio. Nobody else can hear that message. But the, what what message? If a if a if a if a you, you say the uh, paramedic on scene received a message saying there was no crews available. Yes. Right. He will be the only one to receive that message. Right. No other crews will receive it. If a crew heard that. Yes. Any crew, they would respond. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, so, yeah. so uh, he was. But, but can you understand though, from the position of the mum, who's yeah, I can understand. It's terrifying, it's, isn't it? It's, I retired early for this very reason. I got so fed up and frustrated with, with this sort of thing. You know, where we were turning up uh, quite often because I worked uh, in a in Brackley, where there was only one ambulance, and if oh, we were on a break, quite often something would happen during our break, and they wouldn't tell us. And we'd end up, you know, turning up three-quarter of an hour late. What well, needs to be late. done, Bill? Uh, basically, a complete change. We need, I mean, as I said, the controllers are told by management they are not allowed to contact crews if they're on a break, because the, the crew aren't actually paid. They're off-duty. That needs to be changed. Well, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound great, does it, Bill? Thank you very much indeed for that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Uh, it, it's not brilliant, is it? And listen, I'm not I'm not knocking the ambulance service. I know that they are they are pushed, they are overworked, and that they are are you know suffering. But I'm also putting myself in the position of that mum who had to wait fifty one minutes for an ambulance to come out when a two year old boy had fitted, and then wouldn't wake up. You know, t- to hear that an ambulance crew are on lunch and have 10 minutes of their lunch left and therefore can't be sent out, that doesn't sound great, does it, to that mum? That's that's uh, the point. 08459 455555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. At the moment, the M1 seems to be running reasonably well. We have got some short delays going past the Newport Pagnell services on the southbound side. It's looking a little bit busy past there on the sensors. The A5, possibly slow as you go from Dunstable northbound up toward Bletchley and Milton Keynes, and definitely slow on the southbound side past the A505 and down toward the M1 at Junction 9. Things running quite well on the A1M. Back along the A1, though, you've got the short delays coming toward the Black Cat roundabout. It's looking slow from Eaton Soken and then a bit busy in towards Sandy as well. Hartford and the A414 as you go westbound from the A10 at Ware into Hartford you've got a bit of a queue. The A41 from Hemel Hempstead down toward the M25 sensors are still showing that as quite busy and then to and from High Wycombe on the A404 you have some delays as well. Then on the M25 it's slow anti-clockwise into the roadworks as you go past Junction 25, slow coming to the end of that section at the A1M and definitely busy as you go from Junction 18 to 16 down toward the M40. Trains and tubes are still looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, rep fans! Right, it's 8.46. It is uh, Thursday, the 4th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Egypt's ousted president, Mohamed Morsi, has been arrested a day after the army forced him from power. Resettlement units will be opened in four local prisons under government plans to cut re-offending rates. In sport, Britain's number one, Andy Murray, made a dramatic comeback to win his quarter-final against Spain's Fernando Vadasco on centre court yesterday. Coming up, we'll answer that flipping stupid maths question from Graham Lawler. Before that, here's the weather with the delightful Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. It's a rather cloudy one today, but there will be bits and pieces of brightness, I suppose, uh, around through the rest of the morning. Turning cloudy again into the afternoon. Just the chance of a bit of drizzle, just spits and spots falling from the thickest of the clouds. Otherwise, it will be a dry picture, a 20% chance for shower at Wimbledon and indeed across the, uh, the three counties as we head into the afternoon. So I think most places are, on the whole, going to stay dry. Now, it will brighten up as we get towards the end of the afternoon and into the evening. There'll be some sunshine around, a slightly fresher feel to things as well by the end of the day. But uh, temperatures widely up to 21 or even 22 degrees Celsius, particularly where we do get that brightness and sunshine, a nice refreshing southwesterly breeze as well. Now, that breeze is really going to die down into this evening and overnight. We'll probably see a few mist patches around again tonight, but a cloud reforming into tomorrow morning too. But on the whole, um, not quite so warm and muggy as it was last night. Temperatures still holding in double figures though and then as we start the day tomorrow there'll be variable amounts of cloud around through the morning and into the afternoon but also lots of sunshine and those temperatures really set to climb tomorrow all the way up to 23 or 24 degrees Celsius and they will get higher by the time we get to Saturday and particularly on Sunday. That's the forecast. Every weekday morning, questions are asked. What should the government do next to stop people smoking? Who do you blame for our failing high streets? Opinions are formed. There is no place in a civilised society for people like that. They should get real. Part of me says it is wrong. And you get to have your say. I think the whole thing is absolute garbage, frankly. Join in with the big phone-in from Nine. Not everyone will agree. What an interesting conversation. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from Nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, earlier on today, at about ten to seven, I spoke to the uh, the charming uh, Graham Lawler. He's also known as Mr. Educator. And he was talking about an idea to make all young people learn maths until they're 18. Well, this suggestion uh, comes from the Sutton Trust. And, Graham, you genuinely think this is a good idea, don't you? That, yeah, that we, do. we should people should be learning maths until they're 18. Absolutely. Just Particularly think- on money. Everybody uses money. A lot of people don't understand money. Yeah. We're doing courses on money, on different parts of money, on understanding shares, understanding how to balance your own books at home. We're doing all sorts of stuff on money. And people need to learn more about money. Times are hard. We've got austerity times. Tell me me about it. I'm I'm, I'm wondering where my money's going. Can you answer that question? Well, quite. You need to know this. You need to be able to work out your own personal budgets. And, (laughs) you know, you need to be able to buy shares and develop your own investment. Get out of town, Graham, for goodness (laughs) sakes. Now, listen, you... You sent a, set us this problem earlier on. I've got two coins in my pocket, and they add up to one pound fifty. And one yeah. of them is not a pound coin. What are they? I've got a feeling I'm going to hate you even more at the end of this. Well, I'm standing in the corner. I'm facing the wall, and I'm holding my head in shame for this. One. You, you should be wearing a, a, a dunce cap. No, hang on. Maybe I should. Graham, stay there because we. Uh, my reporter Sophie Solaria is here. Sophie, we sent you out. You did to uh, to ask people if they could work this out. Yes, you did. And what what, what did the people of, of three counties have to? say not a single person not one single person could get it really yeah no, look at look at look how excited lawler is look, <laughs> a little giggle there really hard graham should we have a little listen have to what the, listen. the people had to say here we go two coins to make up one pound fifty it's a hard one if one's not a pound coin and one would have to be that's the biggest coin i have no clue no idea no idea at all a trolley token <laughs> a trolley token pound and one's not a pound coin so, so far, we've got a trolley token. and I haven't got a clue. <laughs> and you haven't got a clue. Um, well, it'll be 275s, but there's no such thing, is there? Where do you come from? New Zealand. Is there 275s there? No. No? <laughs> um, no. So, in terms of your own currency, would that work? Um, no. <laughs> no? No. So, it's not money from England or New Zealand, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, oh, my gosh. So, you've only got two... I can't work that one out. You look really stumped. Totally. It's hard, isn't it? Yes. Any possibilities going round in your head? If only there was a 75 pence coin, you'd work it out. I don't know why, but I was thinking 75, two numbers to add up to 150, and I I don't know. Well, so they couldn't get it, Sophie. But Graham, there was a nice display of basic maths there, though, the 75p. Is it that it's, um, it's, you've got two one dollar coins and that makes about one pound fifty in proper money? Nope. Hmm. Graham, stay there. Amanda's in Luton. Good morning, Amanda. Hello, Ian. Amanda, have you worked out this annoying problem? I hope so. Go on. Well, I think if I say it to you like this, Ian, it might be a bit easier. Go on then. I have two coins and one of them is not a pound coin. Right. But the other one is. Oh, you are... Graham, has she got it right? Yes, spot on. Well done. <laughs> uh, Amanda, are you are you a, b- a bit brainy anyway? You don't sound it. Are you... <laughs> no, oh, you heard I, that. I do like maths, and I do work with numbers every day. Do you like maths? I love maths. Really? Yes, really. How does maths make you feel inside? All warm and fuzzy. 
Look at Graham. Graham's loving it. He's like Hugh Hefner all of a, a sudden. Fine woman, a fine, fine woman. <laughs> <laughs> that must excite you. Someone saying that maths makes them all warm and fuzzy oh, inside. It's joyful. It's a wonderful day. Happy Fourth of July to our American job. Oh, too. for goodness' sakes! Uh, Andrew's in Hatfield. Andrew, did you get that ridiculous answer? Well, I say yes. Taking what he said literally, yeah. And in his pocket was a pound coin and a 50p, because he didn't say neither of the coins yeah. were pound. He said one of them wasn't. <laughs> Seriously, we've got to find out where Graham Lawler lives and, 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 and put something through his letterbox that's unpleasant. Andrew, I believe you've got um, a, a problem for a maths problem for Mr Lawler. Oh, God. Yeah, ah, you see, Graham, it's not all one-sided <laughs> well, traffic here. <laughs> well, I, I'm a taxi driver, so this is taxi-related, if you like. OK. I take somebody somewhere and... When I get to the journey, it's quite a distance, and I say, that's £30, please. And he says, whoa, sounds a bit expensive. Phone your boss and see if I can get a reduction. So I phone the boss, and the boss says, whoa, give him back £5. Okay. But I don't. I'm sneaky. And I put £2 in my pocket, and I give him back 3 which means the fare cost him 27 and I've taken 2 So where's the other pound coin? What? Graham? This is actually a very famous maths puzzle. Go on, then. And there are various versions of it. And okay. There's, there's the taxi driver version. There's also a version with horses. And it is actually... We haven't got time to go through it all. It's a brilliant puzzle, and yeah. he's quite right to, to, hang, to put it out. Yeah, hang on a minute, Graham. What yeah. I'm hearing here is what I like to call stalling. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, we've got five minutes, Graham. We've got as much time as you need to try and answer this one. Yeah, well, it's... it's comes under something that's called double counting. Right. right. Is the way that it's worked out. Um, throw it out to the audience. See if people can get it. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, a that is such a dodge That wasn't even a real maths problem, any of them. I know, I'm, I'm confused as to what's going on. My, Neither of them. Uh, my uh, ears are slightly uh, uh, melting, slightly. Uh, Andrew, it seems th- maths can be fun. No, it doesn't. It shows <laughs> that you can be irritating. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can have great fun with maths. <laughs> Oh, really can. Yes, OK, Graham. The joy. Well, this is, no, listen, on a serious note, this is part of the problem, isn't it, with maths lessons uh, at the moment. I remember doing maths. Double maths was a nightmare because it was taught in such a dull way. Yeah, and we, we, i I got to agree with you there. Um, I went to school up in the northwest with Carol Vorderman, all right? Oh. And I, can, I know exactly what it feels like to sit in a classroom when the teacher went, Carol, did you get that? Yes, Mr. Parry. And the oh. rest of us going, what? What's he on about? He didn't get it at all. And when I became a maths teacher, um, we actually did a lot of work to make it accessible. And you do that by having fun and telling stories around that. Um, and things have changed a lot in schools. You find a lot of school children now and actually say, I really enjoy maths. It's great fun. And it's a real joy to solve puzzles and problems and things like that. And we need more people doing that. Emma in Luton, is, is maths a joy? Does it make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside? Uh, Well, when I was at school, I loved maths investigation. Not necessarily maths itself, but the investigation side, I think. What what do you mean by the maths investigation side? Puzzles, sequences, that sort of thing, you know, not like addition, subtraction, that sort of thing, but investigation. Did it make you feel warm and fuzzy? I'm not sure about warm and fuzzy, but (laughs) (laughs) I did enjoy it. (laughs) Uh, Emma, thank you. Brenda in Sharnbrook, do do you feel warm and fuzzy when you, you do maths? No, but I like to do things like that. I love doing Sudoku and those sort of things. I don't get Sudoku! 
Or Sudoku. I don't even know what it's called. I don't get it. That's not maths either. That's not proper maths, That's is it? That's not maths. <laughs> That's None ju- of this is maths. It's nice working with figures. I like doing that sort of thing. I know what you mean. Oh, you mean maths. No, <laughs> I, I, no I, I get... I, I, yes, I can understand that you might find it quite satisfying, but is there really any joy, Brenda, of being sat on the number 46 bus with a, a Sudoku book writing numbers in squares? Re- does that give you any pleasure? It gives me satisfaction. I can still do it when you get old. This is see. Right. This is what we had the stones at the, at the weekend. This is what Jagger should be doing. He shouldn't be prancing around like some idiot. He should be sitting at home doing a Sudoku in front of the fire. Well, it is a thought, but how about if I send Mick Jagger around to Sharnbrook, Brenda? Would you give him a hand? Sorry. If I, yeah, I'll send Mick Jagger around. Would you give him a hand? Um, I'm not keen on him actually. Keith, <laughs> Keith Richards. <laughs> No, okay, fine. Uh, Graham, listen, you want to get a plug in for the book? Go on, sir. You deserve it, even though you wow me up no end. Thank you so much. My book is Understanding Maths with Arthur C. Clarke. It's basic mathematics he explained. There's, there's two types of maths. Maths is like spelling and English. Yeah? Yeah. Everybody needs to learn how to spell, but your joy is reading novels and things like that. Everybody needs to learn how to add up and take away, yada, yada, yada. But the joy is actually doing things like investigations, problems, and puzzles. And that's what most people don't actually get to, and that's where the fun lies. Okay, well, well, that's the book. Andrew, very quickly, can you give us the answer to your problem? Well, I, I, I seem to have quickly had another one I don't think you'll get either. No, don't give us I, another! I, no, I, no, I, don't I, give us another! We've got 20 seconds! Give us the answer I, to that one! Well, I was hoping he'd say, because I've got a whole taxi full of pound coins, I don't know who owns them. Oh, for goodness sake, both of you are gone. Look, you can't leave... <laughs> None of this is maths, Ian. It's cheating. You can't leave a show like up in the air like that. I mean, normally we crash it right into the ground in the last five minutes That's of the show. There, it's, it's left up. Sophie Solera, thank you very much. I'll go and get the answer. Thank you very much. Yes, please do. What a frustrating end to the show. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. I did mention earlier, I think I know what the answer is. So did do you want me to say it? Yeah, go on. OK, so you've got two coins in the pocket. Yes. One of them is not... They add up to pound fifty, and one of them is not yes. a pound coin. Yes. But the other one is a pound we've coin. We've got, Adam, we've got that already! Oh, fine. Get on with the roads! Sorry! You've got 30 Sorry. seconds now. All right, it's a bit busy on the A41 from Hemel Hempstead down to the M25, looking slow into Hitchin on the A602 across from the A1M. You might find it a bit busy on the A5 in Dunstable as you go southbound, coming toward the A505. Things looking a little bit slow from Buckingham across toward Bletchley on the A421. You've got usual delays on the M25 coming into the roadworks section anti-clockwise as you go past Chesant at Junction 25, and it's also really slow anti-clockwise as you come past Junction 18 at Chorleywood and down toward the M40 at Junction 16. It's also looking rather slow on the A40 into London this morning, so if you're heading in that way, expect a queue. Trains and tubes running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Sorry, I've just, I'm, I'm just, it's just angered me the show. This is normally my therapy. Oh dear. Right, take a deep breath, calm down, back tomorrow at six. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning, welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. When pictures of Nigella Lawson being held at the throat by her husband hit the front pages, I asked...